0: Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Every time I think I'm done, they just keep pulling me back. Every time. A couple of weeks ago, I thought we did the last CBJ in 30 for the summer, but I did promise you at that point in time, I did say to you that if something else comes up, I'll be back to talk about it with you. Well, something else came up in a big way over the weekend. Patrick Laine putting his signature to a new contract with the Blue Jackets. It'll have him here for four more years. And now it is complete. Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Laine, what a one-two offensive punch for the Columbus Blue Jackets that they'll be able to put on the ice starting in September. That is exciting, no doubt about that. Welcome to this special Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and Thirty. I just got back from vacation, long vacation. I uh, left right after the Johnny Gaudreau press conference a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know was away for the Patrick Line signing, but uh, it was good. It I'll tell you what, th- one thing that is uh, really refreshing for me or to me, and I and I would I would bet that it's Refreshing for you, too. It's exciting. What's going on with the Blue Jackets right now is exciting. All of these good things are happening. Johnny Goudreau signs. Patrick Laine signs. There's only one bad thing that happens. I'm going to hold off on that for just a second. It was bad by necessity, but I'm going to hold off on that on, uh, for just a second. But, I mean, this is one of the most, if not the most, exciting time to be a fan of the Blue Jackets right now. And I think the players will tell you. It's the most exciting time to be a Blue Jacket. I listened to Patrick Liney the other day when he had his media availability, and he talked about how excited he is to play with Johnny Gaudreau and what a big deal that was. And we talked about that at the time. That kind of a signing really changes things. First of all, it shows everybody in the league that you're serious about winning. It really does. And for other players that want to play with superstar players, it gives them that opportunity to come and play. And for Patrick Line, A, he was jazzed up about that. We talked about that at the time about, you know, this should spur along the Line A negotiations. And indeed, it did. Signs that four year deal with the Blue Jackets. And they get it done right in the nick of time. They, they meet the deadlines that they had to meet and all of that stuff. And Patrick Line A signed, sealed, and delivered. And it is great. Now I'll talk about that one bad thing that the Blue Jackets had to do to become salary cap compliant, and that is trade Oliver Bjorkstrand. I've got a lot of questions here about a lot of different things. A lot of people want to know about uh, projected lineups and all that stuff. That that's all great, but uh, but there's there's a lot of Oliver Bjorkstrand here. I love what Yarmo Kekalainen said, and he you know he just basically came out and he said he hated to have to make that deal. And he just signed Oliver Bjorkstrand to a contract extension. But that contract was 5 million dollars a year. And the Blue Jackets found themselves over the salary cap and they had to flush that salary so that they could become cap compliant. And it was going to take that kind of a number. And there are many that were looking at other players that they might have been able to do that with, but this one made the most sense it really did the Blue Jackets pick up a third and a fourth round pick from the Seattle Kraken in the draft next year to trade Oliver Bjorkstrand on the surface it looks like you gave away a 28 goal scorer for not much of anything but the fact of the matter is you got yourself a lot because you had to have that cap space and you have to have space going into the season because there are going to be injuries there are going to be call-ups there are times that you've you're going to have people on your roster, and it's going to burn up some of that money. And you know, As Jarmo said, you don't want to get into a spot where you have to play a game with fewer players than you normally would, right? I mean, you don't want to be playing a game with uh, 16 or 17 because you don't have the space to bring guys up under the salary cap. So it had to be done, and it stinks. Now, that all being said, If you recall, and I don't know if you do, but I'll remind you right now. If you recall, go back to the CBJ and 30 I did for you prior to the draft. Prior to the draft. There was a lot of talk about trades at that time and who the Blue Jackets might trade and what they might be trying to get and what the cost was going to be for what they were trying to get. And nobody brought up Oliver Bjorkstrand's name when you were sending me questions. I never got an Oliver Bjorkstrand name, never had anybody speculating that he could be one of the guys. And I said to you, this is going under the radar. This is a guy you might want to think about just because of the value that can come back the other way in a trade. Not that I had any reason to want to get rid of Oliver Bjorkstrand just just speculating on what the return could be you know there there are guys you can trade somebody would say well why don't you deal Emile Bemstrom okay yeah and I'm all for that that's great not a problem but what am I going to get in exchange for Emil for Emil Bemstrom let's put it this way let's 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 draw it up even more plainly that is Put them side by side. Oliver Bjorkstrand, Emil Bemstrom. I'm going to trade one of these guys, and I want good return. Who is it going to be? It's a no-brainer now, right? No-brainer. One guy, an established NHL player, has put up good numbers over the years. The other guy has been in the NHL a couple of years, still trying to figure out who and what he is as a National Hockey League player. It's a no-brainer. A no-brainer. So this is something that had to be done. and. You talk about, you know, salary dumps. We, we've seen teams doing salary dumps here the past couple of years especially. And there are teams that have taken on salary. You look at last year. The Arizona Coyotes took on Andrew Ladd from the New York Islanders. They, they were sucking up salary. They had to be at the salary floor. And there was talk about that here. There was talk about teams that have to get to the salary cap floor. You know, you, you have to spend in this league – there's a maximum amount you can spend, but there's also a minimum amount that you have to spend. And there are teams that are under that amount. And you look at it, you say, okay, well, the uh, you know, for instance, this is a thing that was out there. The Anaheim Ducks are under the salary cap. Well, how about Gus Nyquist goes to the Anaheim Ducks? Okay, fine. If you're Pat Verbeek, who's the new GM of the Anaheim Ducks, you're looking to get to that salary cap floor. But you're also looking to improve your team in the long term. I mean, he's he's had quite an upheaval there. They're rebuilding. There's no doubt about that. Ryan Getzlaf retires. Um, John Gibson is he going to stay there as the goaltender? Are they going to deal him? And they're, they're, they have the young talent. They got uh, Trevor Zegers there. They've got young talent, but they're they're in that uh, in between stage right now. They're looking to kind of move out the old and bring in the new. That doesn't mean they're they're not going to bring in older, experienced players by any means. But they they're retooling. So, you know, if I'm him and I have a team that wants me to take a guy on, oh, okay, that's all well and good. I I need to get to that point. But if you really want me to do this, if you really want me to take this guy, I'm going to need something else. I'm going to need a prospect player. I'm going to need X amount of draft picks. And, you know, as Jarmo described it, the Bjorkstrand deal that he made with the Seattle Kraken was the best of the bad deals out there. And, again, that makes plenty of sense. When you break it down, you look at it objectively. If I'm on the other side, you want me to do you a favor. You want me to help you to become salary cap compliant. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm good for that. But there's going to be a cost to that. I need to get something back. And, again, August Nyquist on a one-year deal and Oliver Bjorkstrand on a multi-year deal, what holds more value? What? You get something back on the Bjorkstrand thing, you probably have to give something in addition in a Nyquist trade. Nyquist or anybody else. You know, Vorchek, his name comes up because he's got such a big contract and it would be a lot of cap space you could clear. Yeah, but again, you're, because if, if you're going to the Anaheim Ducks, are they going to win this coming year? Probably not. The Arizona Coyotes, are they going to win this year? No. Are they looking several years down the road? Yes. And if those several years are beyond the length of the contract to the guy that you're sending, again, what's in it for me? I need to have more. So it was disappointing. There's no question about it. I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand, a complete pro the entire time he's been with this organization. You know, he made his name in Cleveland when the Monsters won their Calder Cup. Uh, He was was the guy that was scoring the, the final goal in games. How many times did he do it there? Five times in that playoff series, I think it was. Um, You know, he was able to to nail it down in games and get that last goal to to help them, you know, build a series lead or to move on to the next series or win the Caller Cup, actually. So it started for there. Uh, He did great here. You know, and again, he had 28 points. or I'm sorry. He had 28 goals this past year. He's been inching upward I think there's so much more to Oliver Bjorkstrand's game. Maybe he finds a little bit more. Maybe he goes to Seattle. Be ready for this, okay? Be totally ready for this. Maybe he goes to Seattle and scores 35, 40 goals in a year. It wouldn't shock me in the least because last year when he had the 28, I think he could have easily had 35 because there are times, this is the one thing about him, there are times where – He's hot and cold, and when he's cold, it's kind of go-to-sleep cold. I mean, long stretches. What do you go, 1.13 or 14 games maybe without a goal? So there, there's a ton of upside there. The Seattle Kraken, Ron Francis, the general manager there, I think he does a great job in getting Oliver Bjorkstrand from the Blue Jackets. He gives up a couple of picks. He gets a bona fide scoring winger, and he, he just he had Matty Beniers come in there from Michigan at the end of the season last season. Shane Wright falls from the projected number one overall pick to the number four overall pick. He goes to Seattle. They've got two bona fide top centermen right there. And you get to bring in a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand, who has a great shot, and he's going to benefit from those guys, dishing the puck to him. I think Ron Francis did a great job. I think Jarmo Kekalainen did what he had to do. And if you put it in, again, I keep talking about putting things side by side. Let's just do last year side by side. Johnny Gaudreau, forty goals. Oliver Bjorkstrand, twenty eight goals. So it's a plus twelve. And I'm not guaranteeing Johnny's going to get forty this year, but of those twenty eight that they're losing with Oliver Bjorkstrand, fact of the matter is, other guys have got to step up, and maybe you spread that twenty eight around. Jake Voracek is not going to have single digit goals this year. I I will. I just did it. I I just said it on the record. I was going to say I will say it on the record. I just did. There's no way this guy's going to have single-digit goals next year. So if you get a Jake Voracek with a 15, nine more than he had, your 28 is down to 19. Alexander Texier was hurt so much last year. Maybe out of those 19, he picks up five, six more. You know what I mean? You can whittle it down. You can whittle it down. And maybe Johnny does have 40. And if Johnny does have 40, you're still at the plus 12 anyway. So whatever. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we can break it down and to death. But you're not going to know until the games are played. Would it have been great to have Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine on one line and be able to come back with Oliver Bjorkstrand and Jake Voracek? Absolutely. But... You just can't have a wealth of riches in a salary cap era. And not only a salary cap era, but a flat cap era right now in the NHL. And that's another reason that Yarmo made this deal when he did. As he said, he could have held on. He could have held on and he could have waited. He could have seen what happened. Maybe something comes down the road. But what he saw was the market tightening and the teams that would take these kind of players on shrinking and the price for taking them on going up. So I don't blame him for anything he did. He did what had to be done. Disappointing, yes, but the overall picture is fantastic for the Blue Jackets. And, again, when you're looking at $5 bucks a year, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but you, you can't do this right now, but, you know, you've got Elvis making 5000000 million. You've got Corpus Allo who's trying to come back to a form that he was in a, a couple of years ago. You've got Terasov who's coming off an injury that's trying to push. You've got Terasov on a three-year deal. If he pushes and he looks like he's NHL-ready, and if Corposalo is playing well, you know, you could you could take an Elvis contract and you could move it, but you can't do that now. That's the issue. You can't do that now. That could, could you imagine, like, it's disappointing to lose an Oliver Bjorkstrand, but you want to talk about taking a gamble. Could you imagine if you could find somebody that would, you know, somebody that was looking for a goaltender that, would have taken that contract in a trade, and now you're relying on Tarasoff and Corpasalo to be your goaltending tandem. Not that either one of those guys is bad, but they're both coming back off of an injury, and you've got a, you know, you you've got guys, you've got skaters that are looking to take you to another level, and you're you're rolling dice on the goaltending tandem there. And you just couldn't do it. So Oliver Bjorkstrand was the guy. Had to happen. It did happen, and now we can move forward on that. All right. So let me move forward and start to answer the questions. I've got a bunch of them here that have been uh, sent to me on Twitter today, at Bobby Sports, and I'll start with those like this one from Kevin, who says, assuming Kent Johnson ends up as a centerman, who do you think has the better chance of being the number one center between Johnson and Sillinger? Picking between those two to put them between Lina and Goudreau or who's ever on the top line. Um, Look, this is easy right now. And I know, Kevin, you're saying, assuming that he becomes a centerman, if you had to do it right now, it's no brainer. Cole Sillinger gets the opportunity to do that. Me, if I was, if I was putting it together, I'm going into training camp with Cole Sillinger in that spot right now. Right now. That's no offense to Boone Jenner. Boone was hurt a lot last year. I know they're saying he's going to be ready to go at the start of training camp and all that, but when you're talking about preseason games, you're talking about looking at players and what they can do, I would I would definitely play Kent Johnson in the middle for at least some of those games. It doesn't have to be every single one, but why not? Why not check and see uh, if he can do it? Because even in training camp, you're playing against NHL players, but you're not playing against... All of the top NHL players. So get your feet wet a little bit there. Just You'll be able to start to have a feel as to whether or not he can be put into that position this year or not, I think. Okay? So if I were doing a lineup card and if I was getting ready for the preseason, I would definitely put him in the middle and see what he's got there. But I would be looking at Cole Sillinger building upon what he did last year and playing – you know, with uh, playing between those two top guys. And it's easy to say, well, Jenner, he's just, uh, he's going to be that guy that goes to the net and he's going to be dirty and those guys are going to shoot the puck and put it on net. And and I agree with all of that. And if it winds up being Boone Jenner, I obviously have no issue with that whatsoever. But what I am saying is, I think Cole Sillinger is going to be that kind of guy too. Especially playing with two players like that. Cole is really smart. He's got great hockey sense. Where do you think he's going to go if he's playing with Gaudreau and Laine? He's going to dish the puck and go to the front of the net because that's where the action is going to be. It's going to be at the front of the net because those two guys are going to shoot it. They can pass it back and forth between the two of them. Eventually, one of them is going to shoot it. And if there's a rebound, you're going to be standing right there. So anyway, Kevin, that's what I think on that. How about this question from Zlock? The first preseason game, there will be split squads. Who do you think will be at the away on the away roster and who will be on the home roster? This is so easy. This is so easy. It's the first games, and I can tell you that uh, young guys who they want to look at early in camp and probably are not going to stick with the team are going to be on the away roster to go to Pittsburgh that afternoon. Hands down, no question. And I mean, you have to send so many experienced players that have to go, but they, I think they'll send the minimum of that. And then the experienced guys that they want to play in the very first game, they'll be on the roster for the home game. No question. I mean, guys, <laughs> the, the veteran guys try to travel the least in the preseason. If they had their way, they would travel the least. And, and, and they're going to go later in the preseason once you get the games six, seven, and eight then that's a little bit different than, than game one. So I, I think game one you'll see a very young roster that is going to be playing in Pittsburgh, and then you'll see you'll still see young guys on the home roster, but you'll see um, more of the guys that you know are going to be playing the home game. That's what I think. Dan says, any bold predictions for this upcoming season? Which of the Cleveland Monsters do you see elevating and becoming a mainstay in the lineup? Perhaps Liam Foodie. Liam Foody is tough for me. Very tough for me. And I'll tell you why he's tough for me. He's tough for me because he's a good kid and he's got that speed attribute. Beyond the speed, I am having a hard time. When I look at this roster of forwards, and I know he's a former first-round pick. I get it. But not every former first-round pick plays out in the National Hockey League. Um, I, I just... I don't see it. I don't see it. I. He can prove me wrong. I would be absolutely fine if he proves me wrong. But, you know, he he would have to come in here. I think he would have to come in and have a tremendous camp. And I know, and we'll get to this in a little bit, I know that there are guys that are going to have to clear waivers if they're sent down to the American Hockey League at a training camp. And I know sometimes teams get worried about that. They don't want to put those guys on waivers because they think somebody else might take them. Um, but I... uh, To me, Liam Foody is in a spot because, and I know he went through injury last year and all that stuff, but he's got to come in and he's got to earn it. Nothing's going to be given here. Brad Larson talked about this all last year. Nothing is being given. Nobody is going to be handed anything. He's got to come in and he's got to earn the spot. He's got to outplay other guys. And if he does, great. He's got that speed, and and beyond the speed – you're still waiting to see, to me, you're waiting to see more. So is is he going to be a factor? Like the question states, be a mainstay. It's going to be tough to be a mainstay when you look at the, the wingers on this roster. I mean, I've talked extensively about Lainey and Goudreau, and then you've got uh, Voracek and Nyquist, and then... Uh, You've got Texier and Johnson if he's playing on the wing. And if he's not playing on the wing, you know, what if Jenner's not in the middle and he's back on the wing? I I mean, it's – there is uh, a plethora of wingers here. Liam Foodie's going to have to do something special, in my opinion, if he's going to be in the mix when camp breaks. Because even when you get down – I mean, is he going to be – the way the game has changed – Everybody talks top six. Top six, top six. Yeah, whatever. Top nine to me, okay? Can he be a top nine guy? Because once you get to the fourth line, and I know all your lines have to score, but on your fourth line, look at it. Corrali and Robinson, and then who? Matthew Olivier? Maybe he doesn't play every day. Justin Danforth? Maybe he doesn't play every day. Those guys have a skill set that's built for that line. Plus, Danforth already showed us he can score, right? So, Liam footy has got his work cut out for him. No question about that. No question about that whatsoever. Here's another one. Alarmingly optimist Blue Jackets fan. Says, Jarmo seems high on Liam Footy. He's one of the several forwards who now requires waivers. I doubt that he makes it through waivers. Where do you think he ends up? Again, what I was just talking about. You doubt he makes it through waivers. I don't know. See, waivers to me is a crapshoot. It really is. I think sometimes teams get so worried that a guy is not going to get through waivers that they keep him on the roster, and then eventually they put him on waivers, and you know what happens? Nothing. He goes to the American Hockey League. Scott Harrington for years, and I love Scotty, and I'm glad he spent so much time here because he's a great person, and even when he wasn't playing, he was never uh, a bad apple. He was always good about it. He was always friendly. He was always working hard and all that stuff. But for a long time, they were afraid to put him on waivers. Because he might get taken. And when they finally did put him on waivers, what happened? He went to Cleveland. Who else? Cody Golabev, years ago. Remember Cody Golabev? Ah, uh, I don't If If he gets put on waivers, he's going to get taken, all of you said. All the writers, you, ah, oh, he'll get taken. He'll get taken. First of all, at the time, I was looking at it and saying, so what? Like, if you're not good enough to be here, and I know you want to have depth in the system, right? But... I mean it was it was you just looked at the situation I looked at the situation and I was like why would he get taken on waivers and then eventually you get put on waivers and you get through and you go down there so I to me just because he's a former first round pick and you know, that maybe that makes him more attractive but there are also certain times to get guys through waivers too like coming out of training camp maybe you wait and you hold on and then you do it right before the start of the season once teams have already grabbed some guys and gotten their salary cap in order and and maybe you hold on and and maybe you have a guy that doesn't have to clear waivers go down but then he winds up coming back even be, even before the season starts because you feel you can slip that other guy through at that point in time so there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strategy when you're doing that too in my opinion Uh, The good Reverend Rodriguez. This is the uh, question. As someone who's never experienced a game at another venue, where would you say Nationwide Arena ranks in terms of game day experience? Is there anything Nationwide Arena does exceptionally well or something they could maybe do better? Every team will tell you, we could do better with this. We could do better with that. So, yeah, there's some things that they could do better. There's no doubt about that. But, again, every team is like that. But when it comes to game day experience, I mean, for me, traveling around the league, Vegas jumps off the page because it's just what they do. They put so much money into every show that they do, and it is a show. Their pregame is a show. Um, they are unlike anyone else. After that, the the experience to me is the atmosphere in the buildings. And, and I know that the, the, you know, the music and the promotions and all that are, are part of it. But, you know, Montreal just stands out when it is packed and there's just a, an electricity and an energy in there. It, um, it's special. It really is. And I, I feel, I'm sitting here thinking, as I'm describing that, I'm thinking about Madison Square Garden. Do I ever feel that when I'm in MSG? Not the way I do in Montreal. I really don't. So I think the Blue Jackets do a really good job with what they do. Uh, like I said, anybody would say that they could do things better. But I, I think the you know, the, the gold standard, pardon the pun here, because of the Vegas Golden Knights, but the gold standard is in Vegas. But they, they just have so many advantages over everybody else. It's, uh, well, it's borderline ridiculous. It's just the way that it is. K Dub has this question for me. It says, Why just four years for Patrick Line? Which side wanted more? Which side wanted fewer? I don't know that. I mean, if I'm the player, I probably want more. But the fact of the matter is, Patrick Line is in a position where he is still going to get a big payday. Four years from now, he'll be, what, 28? He's going to get another big contract. So. Again, to me, this is perfect. And this is what was talked about really from the beginning, a bridge type of a deal. Austin Matthews did this. He did a a five-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But for Patrick he's he had two seasons here in Columbus, okay, leading up to this contract. And the one that he had two years ago when he got traded from Winnipeg, not so good, not so good, left everybody wanting more and wondering, quite frankly, if they were going to get more. Is he going to revert uh, to being the Patrick Line A that first came into the NHL, or is, is this what he's going to be? He answered all those questions this year. He went back to being a point-per-game player. To me, the only disappointment this year, and it's not his fault, were the injuries. He only played 56 games. He didn't get to play 82 or close to it. But he was a point-per-game player, so he's back on that pace again. So question answered. Which guy is he going to be? Okay, you look at what he did this year, he's going to be the guy that came into the league. He's going to be an impact guy, an impact player. All right, so now we know he's going to be an impact player. But are we 100% sure? Do we want to to buy into this for eight years, impact player? Or do we want to just get kind of a bridge deal here? He's going to get a good salary. He's going to make a lot of money. And as long as he continues to perform as an impact player, he's going to get a boatload of money in four years. Both sides – figured out that that was going to work for them and I think it was a good strategy on both sides Patrick just has to go to work and I feel that he will go to work he went to work this past year When I heard him talk the other day um, he's just you know he's uh, to me he's a pretty simple guy he's a pretty simple guy he wants to have fun he wants to win and he wants to play with good players in a a place that he likes being. And I think all the boxes are checked on that for Patrick Laine right now. So that's why it's a four-year contract, because it allows the Blue Jackets to be where they want to be with their salary cap. It allows Patrick Laine to make a lot more money. And it also gives him the opportunity, as long as he does work, to make a gazillion dollars four years from now, whether it be from the Blue Jackets or somebody else. But, you know, because this four-year span, so you look where this this retool or reload is right now for the Blue Jackets. It speeds up. It goes on fast forward when Johnny Gaudreau signs. So now you're looking at the next four years. You know, where are you going to be as an organization? Now you're expected to challenge, get back into the playoffs. Now let's go deep into the playoffs. That's That's now. That's an expectation now. That's not four years down the road. So you need him to get you there. And then if you're in that situation three, four years from now, and you know that there's another level or you want to maintain a certain level and you've got the money to do it and all that, well, then uh, you just go and you extend them from there. So I I think it works out. I think it works out well for both sides, quite honestly. All right, let's see. Baji Kimron. Baji's got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Starts out by saying, hate to get ahead of myself, but looking forward, they need to lock up Vladislav Gavrikov. I hope that his buddies Panarin and Bobrovsky haven't already poisoned his opinion of Columbus. Are they in a good position to extend him? The answer to that is, yeah, he's got this year's contract, and then something would kick in next year for him. And I'm not worried about him being poisoned, as you put it, quote, unquote. And, again, all that stuff is is water under the bridge. Um. Badgie goes on to say, I hear fans complaining because they think Eric Goodbranson was an overpay. Why can't they understand his physicality was needed to protect our small forwards? The overpay was a $1.5 to $2 million. It isn't what it cost him. Uh, it, that isn't what cost him Oliver Bjorkstrand. No one complained when they overplayed when they overpaid Gus Nyquist a couple of years ago. Um, then he says, I thought Yarmo needed a Needed to do a combination hockey trade and salary dump. Do you think a trade of a number one and two draft picks along with Texier, Bean, and Nyquist would have landed Jacob Chikrin? I know they like Tex, but he's missed 87 of 208 games since he has been here. And uh, getting third and fourth round picks for Oliver might not be so bad as the Blue Jackets have found value in the third round beyond Tarasov, Kolasar, Corposalo, Elvis, Bjorkstrand, Savard, Anderson, Gavrikov, Atkinson, Calvert. Uh, Anton Forsberg, all of those being examples. All right, Baji. yeah, you've got a lot of stuff going on here. Listen, um, listen, 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 listen. A trade of one and two draft picks long with Texier Bean and Nyquist, so I think that would have landed Jacob Chikrin. I just, look, this is me. This is me, and and uh, I, I just don't, I told you last year, Jacob is a fine player. He's a fine player. I I just, for reasons unknown, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't jump off the page to me like all of a sudden you're a Stanley Cup contender with him. Now, that being said, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, who's going to play with Worenski? And I get that. I understand that. And that's a legit question right now. But, you know, Jacob Chikrin, nice player. He's played in Arizona. I don't know if they could have gotten him. I really don't. I don't know that. I don't know if they could have gotten him. I don't know if that's the guy that they needed. You know, would he be happy leaving Arizona and coming here? On the surface, you'd say absolutely he would be. Why wouldn't you be? Because they stink in Arizona. Why, why would you not want to come here? You know, but up until two weeks ago, week and a half ago, you know, also if you're Jacob Chikrin and you're looking at it and you're going, are they ready to be contenders? I don't know. And did he have any no trade clauses or anything like that? No, but and I get all that, but still, you know, when you're when you're making deals, you want to make sure you have the right guy. You want to make sure the guy's bought in. You want, all those kind of things. So, uh, I don't know. I just I I don't know. I is there's just something about Jacob Chicker and if he wound up coming here tomorrow, I would be fine with it, but for some reason I just don't feel like he's the fit guy. just don't and I don't know how to explain it to you it's a gut thing and again if he showed up tomorrow and they got a deal for him and and he showed up and he played with I'd you know I'd probably have to just wear the egg on my face over that thing but um you know there's (laughs) the the defense is not fixed we know that right I mean Gabranson here's the thing with Gabranson I do agree with you Baji, on this one they needed a big body guy there they really did I'm sorry I I I watched Zach Wierenski get run over a couple of times last year. Watch Cole Sillinger get run over. Kent Johnson's coming in here. He came in at the end of last season at 165 pounds. I mean, you think guys aren't going to go after him? And when I say go after him, I just mean finishing their checks, just trying to put the body on him, trying to intimidate. It's easy to intimidate when there's nobody on the other side that makes you think about intimidating. Eric Goodbranson will make people think about that. He's not going to fight three times a game. He may, he may not even fight at all, but he's going to be there. as a big-body guy that can throw the body, that you can put out onto the ice. If, uh, you know, somebody does something, you get him out there the next shift on the ice at the same time. I've said this a million times. I'll say it again right now. You're still playing in a division that has Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves in it. So they needed something. Did they have to overpay for the something that they needed? Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Did they have to give him an extra year? Maybe. Did they have to give him more per year than they wanted to? Maybe. Is it worth it? Yes. The guy's a bona fide player. He's been around the league. You know, he's been with six teams. So many times I say, well, red flag, red flag. Guy's been with four teams. Guy's been with five teams. That's a red flag. But this guy, um, I I, I don't know. I just feel better about this guy because I think as he has gained all that experience in the league. He, uh, I think he's going to bring leadership qualities to this team. I almost said capabilities. Of course, he's capable of being a leader. I think he's going to bring leadership qualities to this team. When he talked to the media after he was signed, one of the things that he talked about was that he wanted some stability in his hockey life. He wanted to be somewhere for a while, and he's got a young family. I think they have a child, and they want to uh, – have more, and he wanted a place that was good for families, and he wanted to settle down, so Columbus checks all the boxes on that. But it checks the boxes that he's an older guy. I mean, aren't you sick of being the youngest team in the league all the time? I am. I've told you that. I'm sick of it. If you're going to win, you can't be the youngest team in the league every single year. Eventually, you're going to have to get experience. So this is a little bit of that experience, all right? And big body guy experience, leadership qualities, I, I, I'm not complaining about this signing. I'm not. I'm not. You know, Jake Bean, I know he's, he's got to put on more muscle mass and all that stuff, but, you know, what? he's out there getting run over and and by other guys, and Erica Branson, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you have to pay a little bit more or if you have to give a little bit more term, okay, fine. It was a need that this team had. And sometimes when you go meet the need, it's like trading Bjorkstrand. Do you want to? Do you want to trade Bjorkstrand? No, I don't want to trade Bjorkstrand. Do you want Johnny Gaudreau? Well, yes, I want Johnny Gaudreau. Then you got to trade Bjorkstrand. Okay, I'll trade Bjorkstrand. Same thing with Good Branson. Do you want to be bigger on the on the blue line? Yeah, I want to be bigger on the blue line. Do you want to have somebody that can, you know, at, at least be an answer to other team stuff? Yeah, I want that kind of guy. Uh, do you want to overpay him or give him a year more than you want? No, I don't want to do that. Well, that's what you got to do. Okay, I'll do it. Very simple. Very simple. I, I have no problem with a good Branson thing. And a Gabrikov thing, you know, uh, do they need to keep him? Yeah, they need to keep him. I think they need to keep him for so many reasons. And his play is it's the first reason for sure. But just who he is and what he brings to the team in the way of its personality and the kind of teammate that he is, I think that's really important. I think it's important for a lot of guys. I was talking about Elvis earlier. I mean, he and Elvis are thick as thieves, best buddies. Um, you know, it, it's uh, they make each other better. There's a lot of reasons you got to keep Vladislav Gavrikov. I feel they will. I, I especially feel that they will now because he's looking around, and he's going, "Okay, look what's going on at forward. We're we're pretty set there." and they're going to get better on defense and he's going to be a part of that. He knows he's going to be a part of that. You know, again, it would be up to him if he wanted to go somewhere else or change locations. That would, that would be all up to him. And cuz he he would have earned that right, but I think he likes what's going on here. I think he I think he likes the situation and they like him. Again, it's like Liney. Liney said from the beginning, "Hey, I like it here. I want to stay here." The team said, "Hey, we like him. We want to keep him here." And they did. So that's uh, the same kind of thing that I would expect when it comes to Vladislav Gavrikov. Uh, Let's see. What else do I have here in the Monday mailbag today? Gerald Lucas. With all the acquisitions this offseason and the new draft picks, what is the expectation for the team this year? Where do the Blue Jackets stand this year as far as being a competitor in the Metropolitan Division and in the Eastern Conference? Is this the year the Blue Jackets return to the playoffs? I hope it is. Um, But if it's not, it's got to be building on last year and knocking on the door, okay? Um, I think they can get back into the playoffs this year. If not this year, I think they have to get back into the playoffs next year, personally. Um, But they, uh, the so that's my expectation this year. My expectation this year is to build off of last year. And let's remember again that last year was screwed up in the Eastern Conference. You needed so many points. We're always talking about 90 points to get in. All of a sudden, you had to have over 100. Stupid, ridiculous, right? So it was a weird year. Is that going to happen again? I don't necessarily think that it is. I said this during the season last year. I'll say it to you again. Jake Voracek told me this. We were in Minnesota, and we were, uh, we were talking before the game, and he said that, Montreal and Philadelphia both being so bad last year, he felt that through the conference out of whack because those were at different points, and especially early in the season. They were almost guaranteed wins. So, in other words, teams were running up their point totals in the points they were getting against them. If they're more competitive, that balances out a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're dropping back below 100 uh, to where you want to be. And I thought that was valid because look at the two teams you're talking about, Montreal, who had just been in the Stanley Cup Final, by the way, and all of a sudden they were the doormat of the Eastern Conference until they made the coaching change, and Philadelphia, who is, I mean they they were not supposed to be that bad, but they were, and I'm okay with that. They're in the Metropolitan Division, and I'd be okay if they're going to be that bad again, but they're not. They're simply not. With John Tortorella being there, that's going to get you a few more wins. Is it going to get you enough wins to get into the playoffs? No. Did they do enough free agent-wise to get into the playoffs? I don't think they did. But they're going to be better. And maybe there will be more balance. So this team has to build on what it did last year. It's got to be, like like to me, if you don't make the playoffs this year, it has to be like a, a late you didn't make it. Not. You were chasing all year from the back of the bunch because you got off to a bad start. you got to come out and you've got to have a good start. you got to build on what you did last year. You can't have that, what was it, a five-week period last year where they fell asleep as a team. Can't have it. Got to be consistent throughout the course of the year, and you have to be knocking on the door. If you're not in, you have to at least be knocking on the door because in these next couple of years, there's going to be a changing of the guard, and you want to be standing at the door now waiting for it to open or waiting for the crack in it so you can kick it in really is what you need to be doing so that's my expectation of where they're going to be this year uh let me see uh kai says do you think there's a chance that we see line a goudreau on the same line like the oilers have done with mcdavid and dry in the past yeah i think so and i you know i I would be shocked if they didn't start that way. There's all this thing about, well, you know, they both play the left side. Who's going to move to the right side? And, you know, Patrick addressed this uh, when he was talking about his contract extension. Once the puck is dropped, you line up somewhere for the faceoff. And once the puck is dropped, then it's creativity where you're all over the place. So as long as those two guys can read off of one another, and they're both very smart hockey players, they both uh, see the game very well. So they should be able to just go ahead and uh, just make it work. And sometimes it doesn't work. And it, and if it doesn't work, then you split them up and you put them on different lines, and then all of a sudden there's a dangerous guy in this line, there's a dangerous guy on that line. Um, but I think they're going to get the chance to play together. I know one place they're going to play together is going to be on the power play for sure. Absolutely. they're uh, They're going to do that. Kai also says, do you think we see Eric Robinson have a breakout year? He obviously has the speed, but hasn't shown much puck skill yet in his career. I mean, last year was a breakout year when it comes to goals. You know what I want to see with Eric Robinson? This is honest to God's truth, okay? Yes, he's got the speed. And the goals, he needs to be more consistent. He needs to get the puck on net more. Has to. I mean, last year, he got it on net more than the previous year, and he had more goals. But he still, he misses so many nets. It's so the one thing about this guy that drives me crazy, and I love him. I love him. Great guy, great speed, great size, but just get the puck on net. And I, when I say on net, I don't mean in the middle of the goaltender's chest, okay? I mean, get it on net. Don't miss the net, and then tr- try to get it, like, legit scoring chance, not, not right into the middle of the goaltender. That's what I want to see from Eric Robinson, but more so than that, more so, And this is the part that frustrates me the most, and this is the part that I don't understand, and this is the part I want to see. You're going to play on the fourth line. The scoring is, especially now with the guys that you're looking at on the top three lines, the scoring is a luxury. Use your size, finish your checks. Use your size, finish your checks. If he would just become a little bit rougher. I used to say all the time, if I were Josh Anderson, this is when Josh played for the Blue Jackets, I would say, if I were Josh Anderson, I would look at Tom Wilson, and I would look at myself in the mirror, and I would see I had the same build, and I could do the same things, and I would do it, and I would do it to get paid. And again, let me step back and clarify here. Um, You know, this is all, I sit way upstairs, nobody hits me, nobody touches me, all this stuff, okay? So this, this stuff is all easy to say, I get it. But... I would always say with Josh Anderson, I would look at Tom Wilson, I would say, if I want to get paid big money, I'm going to play like that. And Josh can. He doesn't always do that. But he got his money anyway. He got his money from Montreal anyway. Now, that being said, I will say the same thing with Eric Robinson. I I would look and say, if I would just be a little bit nastier, and maybe he's not nasty because he's such a nice guy. I don't know. I, I don't get it. Create some kind of false persona for yourself when you play the game where you're an absolute idiot, a jerk, a bad guy. I don't care. And be the nice guy off the ice. But if you could just get a little bit more nasty, not doing anything illegal, just when you're out there, people know that you're going to finish every single check and they're going to get hit. That's all they have to be threatened by. If you're a defenseman with a puck going back, with your back to everybody and you're going to the end boards to pick up the puck, you just want them to think, Robinson's out here, I might be getting creamed. I don't know where he is, I might be getting plastered right into the boards right now. Just get that in their minds, because they'll screw up. They will be more apt to screw up, because they'll be worried about that more than what they're doing. That's what I would love to see from Eric Robbins. Because Corally He's going to do it. This Matthew Olivier, he's going to do it. Justin Danforth, he's going to do it. That's the only thing I'd like to see out of Eric Robinson. When you ask me if we can have a breakout year from Eric Robinson, to me, that would be the breakout I want to see. Right there. Just get nasty. Just just be just be a little bit of a jerk on the ice. A little bit. Just a little bit. If you need me to teach you how to be a jerk, I'm... <laughs> I'm available. I am totally available for that. Uh, Let me see. Let me see here. Duncan McLeod, what is your opinion on the league-wide cap situation? When will we see someone cave and pay the price to dump a significant amount of cap? Pay the price? I don't understand that. I don't understand. Duncan, I'm not sure... See someone cave and pay the price to dump a significant amount of cap. What, what do you mean, like, like, like I was talking about earlier, where you you trade Nyquist and then you you dump something significant just to get rid of that salary? Um, so I'm not sure. I I don't think you're ever if that's the kind of stuff you're talking about. That I I don't I don't see it. Nobody's ever going to just do that. But I'm I'm unsure of the question. Maybe I'm just conf- not maybe I am confused on the whole thing. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing that you're sitting there and going, it's an easy question, man. What's wrong with you? You can't see it? No, I can't see it today. Maybe it's the first day back from vacation. I can't see it. I don't know. I don't know. How about uh, Brian in Columbus? Sent me an email. Bobby Mack at BlueJackets.com, by the way, if you ever want to do that. Um, he says, disappointed in the Oliver trade like most fans, but given the cap position, it makes sense. However, I'm looking forward to the new season, given the talent brought in and up-and-coming players. Of the potential rookies, which player are you most excited to see if they can make the team this year? Of the rookie players, of the potential rookies. Well, I'll tell you what. The guy, David Yerchek is going to come to camp, and he's going to get some looks. And I am very curious to see if he is going to be able to make this team out of camp. I think that is a tall order. I think the, the more pressing thing is, the the more pressing decision you have to make. Going into, like, again, I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about several weeks from now. But right now the question is, he's got a three-year entry-level contract. Are you going to let him go back to, to check and play in that men's league? Or are you going to put him in the American Hockey League where you'd be burning the pro contract? So that. You know, to me, that is that is a big thing. As it sits here right now, if he had a good game, again, this, I always tell you I don't want to be a GM, and then you make me answer questions like I'm a GM, which I guess is the job here, but uh, I'm just going to give it to you. Sitting here today, end of July, my thought would be, if this guy has an impressive camp, I'm going to give him the opportunity to start the year with the team, and I'll let him play his nine games, and then we'll assess from there. Same with Cole Sillinger from last year, right? I mean, there was no guarantee Cole was going to play more than nine games. I think there was as soon as he scored two goals in Colorado in game number nine. I I think that pretty much sealed it. But anyway, uh, I would say if if he has a good camp, and you can't just let him play because, just because, all right? He's got to have a good camp. He's got to come in, and you've got to say, I'll tell you what, this guy's further along than I thought he was. Because he's a big body, he's a right shot. Can he handle playing with Wierenski right away? I think that's something you have to see in preseason. Again, preseason, do whatever you want. Who cares? Win the game, who cares? Lose the game, who cares? Doesn't count for a doggone thing. So you got to find out. Remember the preseason we thought counted for something? Back when uh, Ryan Johansson was ripping it up in the preseason. And then the team started 0-7, and, and John Tortorella was, was the coach. Remember that? That just tells you how much preseason means. Squat. When it comes to game results. When it comes to individual performances and evaluations, then it means a lot. Okay? So get your check over here. Play him in Traverse City. Get him in the camp. Play him in preseason games. See what happens. See what happens from there. So I, I guess if you're asking me about potential rookies, that's a situation I want to see. I want to see him and how he performs from the moment he comes over here and gets going. Kent Johnson still qualifies, by the way, as a rookie. He only played a handful of games here at the end of last year. I want to see what improvements he's made, not just in the summertime and, and getting bigger physically, but I want to see how he comes into a camp with a little bit of NHL experience Making adjustments to what happened with them last year, you know this is another thing where you know people are saying about um, you know where people are going to wind up. Right? Talked earlier about Foodie would have to clear waivers. Johnson wouldn't have to clear waivers. You could send him to the American Hockey League. Kirill Marchenko, you know, some people say, well, is he going to wind up here? Is he going to wind up in the American Hockey League? I think he's going to wind up here, but who knows? And would they be willing to send guys like that down? And I I'm, I battle with this so much. I really battle with this because I've changed. I've admitted here before that I've changed. But in this case, I've changed, and I guess I don't like that I've changed. Last year, I said that you could have your young players play on this team They didn't necessarily have to play in the American Hockey League because you had a teaching coach in Brad Larson. And you weren't expected to make the playoffs. You want guys to play together as a group, so you might as well just develop them throughout the course of the season, and that's exactly what they did. Chinikoff was in Cleveland a little bit, but for the most part was in Columbus. Whether he was playing or healthy scratch, that's a different matter, but but he was with the Blue Jackets most of the year. Then, uh, and, and and my whole thing here is, in the past, I was such an advocate of go to the American Hockey League. Go there, refine your craft, learn to play your game, learn what you need to know off the ice as a pro, because it's different from junior, it's different from college. Learn to be a pro. Learn to be a pro in the American Hockey League. And you know that's how I've been for years. I've beat that drum to death. Because it's a path that I took. I thought it was so valuable. Players I dealt with there, whether it was in the East Coast Hockey League at the time or the American Hockey League, guys have made it to the National Hockey League, and you can see how much they learned along the way. I've always been a huge proponent of that. But the game has changed and continues to change. So now, here's where I'm stuck. Last year, I very confidently could have just said, yeah, I was always about to go to the American League, but this year I don't see the reason for it because you've got a young team and you've got a young coach and he's a teaching coach and you're not going to make the playoffs anyway, so who cares? But this year's different because this year, as I just told you a few minutes ago, you've got to be challenging for the playoffs. You've got to be making a run. So, with that being said, can you develop here? Do you want Kent Johnson to go to the American Hockey League? Do you want him to go there and play center? Do you want him to develop as a center there? Do you want him to go there and play the wing and excel? Do you want him to feel good about himself and get big minutes? That's the thing I think is going to be the key. Where are you going to get the big minutes? Because guys like that have to have big minutes. Is Kent Johnson going to be able to be a winger on the second line? I mean, let's just say, let's just say for argument's sake. Let's say the first line is Sillinger with uh, Goudreau and Line A flanking him. Can you come back on a second line with a Roslovic between Voracek and Kent Johnson? Is he going to be able to handle that? Can he do that? And then what do you do with Chinikov? Is he going to be on the third line with Nyquist and Jenner, let's say? Again, all for argument's sake. And if you're going to do all of that, where's Marchenko going? Right? Where's he going to be? So there's there's a lot. I mean, sometimes when you start to look at it and think it through, it's like you're trying to put the square peg in the round hole, right? So maybe some of those guys wind up in Cleveland. I guess I would say this year, if they do wind up there, then that would be a good thing. It would be a good thing because that means that you are, you're so stacked in the NHL at the forward position that this is just what we have to do. Right? It's just what we have to do. So... It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Jimmy says, "Hey, I'm going to Vancouver and Seattle in January. Do you have any restaurant recommendations?" I'm the Jimmy. I'm the worst at this. I really am, um, because I've gone places. Sometimes, sometimes the restaurant situation goes like this. Sometimes it'll be like, um, you know what? Let's just go. We'll get to the hotel, and then we'll say. Hey, let's just go have uh, a beer or two, and then we'll go have some something for dinner. And then, you know, we get our little group there, and we start talking. And then it'll be like, well, maybe we'll just get an appetizer here before we move on somewhere else. And then we're still talking, and now hockey's come on. And then you're saying, uh, "Well, I wonder what they have here." Let, let's just can we get a full menu? Let, let me look at this. So this is why I'm bad at it, Jimmy. But I will tell you, uh, if you're looking for a good steak in Vancouver, Gotham is a steakhouse there. You can go there. Um, Cactus Club, anywhere in Canada. It's a chain across Canada. I like it. Uh, the food is good. The atmosphere is good. Uh, you could go there. You could try that. Seattle, I'm not going to be nearly as helpful. I was only there one time, and that was last year. And, um, and that was, uh, I don't even remember what we did for dinner that night before when we got in there. Because that was the – we actually flew after a game, I believe. It got in there early in the morning. I might have had not much of anything because I might have been trying to catch up on sleep from flying overnight. I don't remember. But anyway, I'm not going to be helpful with Seattle, but hopefully that uh, gives you something when it comes to uh, Vancouver. Oh, here, Duncan got back to me. He goes, yeah, he was talking about that salary cap dump. He says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Teams like Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, and Florida, these teams have to make cap space – Uh, When will they be making the same kind of hard decision Yarmo had to make with Bjorkstrand? It seems like the league is on hold waiting for someone to blink. Okay, I get it now. I get it. Thank you. Thank you for for clearing that all up for me. Um, When is it going to happen? When it has to happen. When they don't have any choice. Simple as that. When they can't put somebody on long-term IR to cover for their salary. When they can't do anything else that's when you're going to see it. Those teams have been they've been pretty good and I think they've been uh pretty lucky, if you will, that they haven't had to make those kind of moves. So that that's really the answer. When are we going to see that? When they have no other choice. When that's what has to happen. You know, like Toronto, they didn't they didn't have to trade anybody, but there there were guys that they let walk and maybe guys that they wouldn't necessarily want to have walk, but they had to because they had a fine cap space. So it will happen when it has to happen. With those kind of teams, they're not going to... The Toronto Maple Leafs, you think that they want that to be the story? You think they want to get into that situation? They are going to do everything within their power to make sure that they don't get to that spot. They just are. They're going to identify players that make... you know. They're going to find the Two, $3 million salaries that they feel that they can do without or they can replace with $1 million salaries. Younger guys that are going to play the same type of game. And they're going to let those kind of guys walk as long as they can. You know, they're, they'll, they'll let two, $3 million guys walk rather than get rid of a $6 million guy to create that cap space and then just try to fill in with younger players that have upside. Very, very simple. So. um, that's when it's going to happen. And what they're all doing, to be honest with you, Duncan, they're all holding, they're they're trying to get through until the cap starts to go back up like it used to because it's flat right now. That's what's causing all of this stuff. The flat cap is causing the problems. Everybody knew that it would. Nobody knew, I don't think, the significance of it or, or how, how big the problems would be or what you would have to do to jockey around that. You know in the Blue Jackets' case, they have to trade Bjorkstrand because they said it quite honestly. They didn't think they were getting Johnny Goudreau. They put in an offer, but everybody in the world thought he was going to Philly, New Jersey, or the Islanders. And all of a sudden, when the agent calls and says, yeah, we got your offer, or, I mean, you were you serious about this offer? Because he wants to come. Changes everything, right? Um. So, if they had known, let's just say they knew a month ago that they could get Johnny Goudreau, they would have made moves to be ready for that. You know, maybe it wouldn't have been an Oliver Bjorkstrand. Maybe it would have been something else, or they would have tried to to get done. Maybe they would have tried to sneak something in on somebody, getting rid of salary. With that team not thinking in. By any stretch of the imagination, the Blue Jackets are going to land Johnny Gaudreau in a couple of weeks, right? So, anyway, they had to do it because, you know, this thing kind of came out of the blue, if you will, pardon the pun. But other teams, when when they know what's going to happen, they're they're able to uh, maneuver around it before they have to get to that point. So, and and it's funny too. I was reading a lot of things this weekend. You know, Yarmo's been saying for the past couple of years, there are teams that are going to be in a pinch. They are going to have to, uh, they're going to have to make salary dumps or whatever, because they're going to be up against the cap, and we're going to be there to benefit from that. I've heard that for the last two years, and <laughs> and it turns out that they're the team that winds up against the cap, and somebody else benefits. And again, it's a good thing because you got a premier star player in the game. You got an, an absolute proven player. So, I mean, why wouldn't you uh it's just something you gotta deal with. Again, it stinks that Oliver Bjorkstrand has to be traded. Stinks. Absolutely stinks. But cost of doing business, as they say. CBJ and thirty, Monday mailbag, live on Twitter Spaces. So let me get somebody in here that wants to ask a question. Jonathan is on the line. Hello, Jonathan.
1: Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. There is, um, so I mean, obviously I think that the Jackets are still probably going to want to try to move, you know, another one or two forwards probably at least before this is all said and done. Just because of, as you kind of been mentioning, there's a glut of them at the moment still. And one guy who I find really peculiar that is the only unsigned guy is Bemstrom. And this is the kind of guy that, like, I think we all are kind of dismissing and rightfully so based on he's just never taken advantage of the opportunities. Um, But do you – why do you think that he is still unsigned? And do you think that that's part of maybe he's hoping to get traded to another team and, and, you know, sign a new contract there? I just – I would easily see them liking to move him as a package or whatever if they could I would think at this point because I just don't see where he goes in this lineup.
0: I don't think that uh I don't think that on his part that he's hoping he gets traded or anything like that or he's or he's using that. I think that they just haven't gotten it done because they just haven't gotten it done. Right? They just they just haven't come to an agreement and it's not like a Patrick Line A where they're being pushed to a certain point where they have to have it done right now. So I think when it comes to him it's that. Uh yeah, he is look well, you've heard me talk about him before, Jonathan. He I I like him as a I like him as a person. He frustrates me as a player because I think there's still so much there that we haven't seen from him yet. And it's very easy to look at him and say, Well just get rid of Bemstrom. Well just just you know, take that guy out of the mix. But they like him and Yarmo and has liked him for a long time here and it feels like they keep giving him chances. but as you said, he's never grabbed it and run with it and that's that's what uh, they're waiting to happen but but in all fairness, you know in, in you talk about putting him into a, a package, but Jonathan, let me ask you this question if you're a GM on the other side, I mean, you're not just taking a an Emil Bemstrom in some straight up kind of a deal, right? I mean, he's got to be part of a package and how how much of an enticing piece of a package is he? to you if you're looking to make a deal.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's not going to move move the needle in, in my mind, you know, unless there's somebody else out there who might be somewhat high on them from his old days. And, you know, I mean, again, I don't think it moved the needle much. You just kind of hope that it's somebody that also might be kind of high on him. Like Yarmo has been, but unlikely. I would agree.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, if I'm uh, and thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate you being on today.
1: Um, I, I agree. If
0: I'm, if it was me, If I found somebody that was high on him and they really wanted him, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd do it in a heartbeat because there's, again, as Jonathan just said, where does he fit in? Have I even much mentioned him when I was talking about the lines? I haven't. Where does he fit in? He's a guy that when he first came over here, his contract stipulated that he couldn't go to Cleveland until after Christmas of that first year. And he hasn't played many games there. I know he did play some there last year. He's another guy. That is a skill guy that needs minutes. And he, he played well in the world championships this past spring. But where does he fit in? How does he fit in? That's, I mean, again, one of the many, many questions, many, many questions that involve the Blue Jackets when it comes to the forward situation. He's one of those guys. No question about it. Why do I keep using the word question? So many times in a row that is not the way you're supposed to do it as a professional broadcaster but time for me to clean it up Heather is on with us uh here on CBJ and 30 so Heather welcome to the show
3: hi guys hi what's on your mind I wanted to ask a theory that I got when talking with a fan the other night and I want to see what you think of it okay so Again, sad Bjorkstrand left, good player, all that good stuff. Thank you for softening the blow with what you said on July 1st and your your CBJ and 30 because you putting that out there made it a little less like they did that? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you gave it a little bit, and you said that you wanted to do that because you didn't really necessarily want to see him leave. But on the other hand, though, you were like, when it happens, I said it. <laughs> and it's like, you did so and I, question, and, I, and I love to be right i yeah. hate i hate
0: to be right but i love to be right i hate to be right in this this case but so thank you oh, for uh, you. i'm glad i could soften the <laughs> blow for you heather is what i'm trying to say
3: absolutely so my question to you is i put out a poll asking who maybe would get his a because he does leave one behind yes and i put down um Gabrikov and Voracek and then people filled in uh, a couple of other names and one that didn't come up was one that this person gave me as an idea and a message and that was Cole Sillinger and I thought about it a little bit and it kind of makes sense to me because when you all were at the Bell Center um I believe you asked Jeff or somebody asked Jeff what they heard these new players know about the Blue Jackets, and I believe he said universally that it was that everybody knew who Cole Sillinger was. And when it comes to who we have in leadership, we have Jenner who is 29, we have Nyquist who is 32, and then we have Zach Rensky, who just turned 25. So maybe having somebody who has his strength. And talent on the ice so young Who Yermo told Jeff a couple weeks back that he sees him being maybe an NHL captain someday maybe we just jump start that because then if he sees us giving him such now maybe he stays and maybe he becomes the next Rick Nash which was a prediction I made and got laughed at for in May and it it just It kind of fits to me a little bit, and I'd love to see Voracek or Gavrikov, you know, somebody else get it too. But in the the chain of things, to have somebody who these guys know who aren't from here, maybe as a leader, as somebody to listen to, maybe that helps the team in the end.
4: What do you
0: think? I think there are a couple of things here. Um, Gavrikov, I believe he did wear one a couple of times last year, didn't he, when somebody was hurt?
3: I believe you're right, yeah. yeah.
0: So so to go back, I had the question earlier about, you know, Gavrikov, they need to sign him uh, so that he can be here. So I could see them doing that. Uh, sometimes you give the – listen, they never give the letters unless they're deserved, okay? Yeah. But sometimes you also give the letter to say, hey, this is we, – we really want to show you – that we value who you are and what you bring. Okay, right. so it's like, yeah, we pay you a lot of money, but we also want to let you know that we we love you, and we here's this to put on your jersey and stand out as a leader uh, in the league. So, uh, with the situation with him, I could see them doing that. I, I think that's an easy one. I think that's a no brainer, quite frankly. And when you give it to when you give a letter to defenseman. You know, a lot of times they're on the ice more than the forwards are anyway, and you want to have those guys on the ice. To, those are the guys that are supposed to go talk to the officials, right? The guys sure. with the letters. Now, Jake Vorchek doesn't need a letter. He's going to talk to the officials anyway. Um, but also, Vorchek was one of the guys that Brad Larson, when he was selecting last year, he said he thought long and hard about uh, whether or not to give Jake a letter. And, and he kind of the reason he kind of didn't is what I'm talking about. He felt he didn't need it to uh, – to get the most out of him, and maybe you can use it to kind of push somebody else along. So, Gavrikov, to me, is an easy one. If you want to give it to him, nobody's going to blink, and absolutely, and that's what you do it. But the Sillinger thing, I was I was a little bit shocked, too, when Yarmo said that draft week, uh, when he said that Cole Sillinger could be a future captain. And I wasn't shocked because, I mean, I know he can be. There's no question. But I was shocked at the timing of the statement. He's just played one year in the National Hockey League at 18 years old, going on 19, and that is a really big pat on the back from your general manager, right? Oh yeah. So to do that, I think would say a couple of things. Uh, number one, it would say it would it would be the um, it would show him that this is not just talk. We really believe in you. And the other thing is, and, and, and the way the league's going, the young guys that are going to come in here, all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, Kent Johnson here and your check kid's going to be coming in and uh, the guys that they drafted and stuff. It's not going to be long from now that Cole <laughs> Sillinger is going to have several years of established play in the National Hockey League and, oh, by the way, still be young enough to relate to the guys that are coming in after him, Right.
3: Right.
0: So um, either of those guys make sense to me is what I'm trying to say, Heather. I think you're making a good point, and it uh, it wouldn't be a shock. Like I said at the beginning of this thing, when I was asked, you know, who should play in the top line, to me, that should be Cole Sillinger's job to lose during training camp, quite frankly, because yeah. I think he's earned that. I think he's earned the right to to get that opportunity. And uh, in the way he played last year, in the way his personality is, yeah, he earned the right to, to get that letter. If they decide to do that, it wouldn't be a shock at all.
3: Awesome. So I always you, love hearing thoughts.
0: So <laughs> you can you can tell all those people that laughed at you in May that they should reassess. <laughs> they should think about yes,
3: it. Yes, absolutely.
0: All right. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. If you want to be uh, in on the show, all you have to do is request to be a speaker on Twitter Spaces, and uh, we can do that. can do that easily. In fact, let me do it again right now see what else is on your mind. Michael has uh, checked in today. So, Michael, what is on your mind as I bring you this uh, live CBJ in 30 after the signing of Patrick Liney, and the Blue Jackets getting themselves really set at the forward position? Hello, Michael. Hey, Bobby Mack, how are you? Good, how are you?
5: Oh, I couldn't be much more excited. October can't get here fast enough.
0: I agree. Well, you know, I, summer's been kind of nice. I know what you mean, though. I do know what you mean. <laughs>
5: Yep. Hey, it was interesting seeing Twitter on fire over this Gorkstrand Dorkstrand uh, trade here. I think we cleared one hurdle, but I think people better get used to more of this. We got we got cap compliant for now, but we've got people that are gonna need signed in the next two years. And in this black cat cap deal, do you see do you see probably some other people being traded that that we wished we didn't have to, but you know, we have to have room to sign people like Gavrakov and uh, next year, I think we've got three or four more key people without much
4: cap room.
0: Yeah, some of the young guys will start coming up here in the next couple of years too, right? I mean, we were just yep. talking about Sillinger extensively. Look, he's got two more years left on his entry-level contract, and then he's going to be due for a new deal. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to become the norm, um, but let's just say Gus Nyquist is a guy that I know wants to stay here beyond his current contract. There's no doubt he wants to. But... At some point this year, um, you know, especially when you get close to the trade deadline, is is that a contract that you're going to have to trade? I, even if Gus wanted to come back, they're not going to bring him back at the at the rate he's getting paid right now. I know that. And I'm sure he knows that too. But um, you know, is that a contract that you do move given the opportunity to create some more space? So um you know, Yarmo had to do this one. As I was saying earlier, Michael, he had to do this. He got put in a spot where um I've got to make this deal, but now they're going to be able to look at this and they're going to be able to, to smooth out the edges, right? So maybe there's another guy down the line, but I don't think that it's going to become – I know it's not going to become a regular occurrence by any means. All right, thank you. All right. Go, oh, thanks, you. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, it, it won't be – it's not going to be a regular thing. It's not going to be a regular thing by any means, but you got to, this one hurt, this one hurt, and and it's going to sting, and it's going to sting until Johnny Gaudreau scores his first five goals, and then it won't sting so much. Spencer, welcome to CBJ and 30. How are you? Spencer, are you there? Spencer is unmuted, but not there. So anyway, going once, going twice, gone. Simple as that. We we'll get somebody else. We we'll get somebody else and see if uh, somebody else is there, and we can get them on here today. And let me see. How about how about Troy? Hey,
6: how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I just uh, was thinking, looking at the roster, considering that we have. Uh, probably a few right-handed defensemen currently on the roster, and we just drafted a couple right-handed defensemen. It wouldn't seem that it would be entirely out of the possibility that at the trade deadline or somewhere near down the line that we would have to move one of the current right-handed defensemen we have to bring up someone like Jiracek. So which player do you think is most likely to be potentially in a situation down the line that would be off-boarded to bring on someone like Jiracek? Well you see well first of all, the whole defense thing
0: right now is um where does Jake Bean fit in all this? You know what I mean? I agree. It, I agree. And, and and look, I love Nick Blankenberg. I love what he did last year. Um that was a small sample size and I I'm not saying that as a rip on his height by any means. Uh <laughs> it it I, I like him, I like the potential he brings, but I don't know if we're totally safe in saying that he's going to be a, a top six guy and, and he's going to be able to play all year. I, I don't know that. But Jake Bean has kind of fallen into that mix, too, where I don't know where he goes. And, you know, Andrew Peek, as it sits right now, to be honest with you, Troy, is Andrew Peek not still the guy on the top pair with Zach Woransky if you were
6: to, if you had to play a game right now? Yeah. I mean, I think you would have to because if, if you're taking in, to consideration a balanced matchup because of a balanced pairing with Wierenski because he gets up the ice so much, you would want someone similar to him or Gus Branson. But I'm already thinking in my head, a perfect partner for, for Gus Branson would probably be Gabrikov because he's the most similar to his line mate from last year in Calgary. So I would have to agree with you that Pete is looking to be favored to be on the number one pairing.
0: Right. And I've said this a million times. I if you're a if you're a Stanley Cup contender, I don't think Andrew Peake is on your top defensive pair, and that's not a rip on Andrew by any means. It's just about where where you kind of slot in. I I like your whole goodbranson um Gavrikov thing because not only as you said is it kind of like him playing with Zadorov in Calgary, but let's just think back to the Gavrikov Savard combination that worked out pretty well as a shutdown pair.
6: Oh yeah. I entirely agree, and I was also thinking potentially, uh, considering that we extended Adam Boquist on a relatively friendly deal, and considering his massive offensive upside that he showed last year with a ton of shorthanded goals, that maybe his stock as a player could also increase if if the Blue Jackets are going to continue to score goals as they have been if they tighten up defensively. Because I feel like when we're talking about Adam Boquist, there's no questions about him offensively. can he tighten enough in the back to give us more value and be a more well-rounded player?
0: Right, absolutely. And let me ask you this question. Now you're talking about the forwards that you have and the goal production going up from the forwards. Uh, yes, you love having the scoring from the blue line, and Adam Boquist does that very well. But at some point, could it be that he is a guy that you're willing to trade to a team that is looking for an offensive defenseman because you have found more of that offense amongst the forwards that you now have on your team.
6: Exactly. And I think that he would be one of the premier candidates for that because, honestly, when you addressed this in the show earlier before, we do need a little bit of tenacity and size in the back line. And I think that, especially with the potential of Jiracek coming up, who has that aspect to his game and also offensive qualities, that you have to be looking at a guy like Jake Feener, Boquist, who doesn't, offer the same physicality and defensive responsibility that would be potentially one of those guys that we would have to move
0: yeah because it's easy to say Andrew Peake's a right handed guy and you could trade him but let's be completely honest about this um Adam Boquist has a lot of offensive upside potential and he also was a, uh, a very high first round pick by the Chicago Blackhawks and a guy that you got in a trade for a big name player in Seth Jones which again those things in their own right, is why you want to keep him if you're the Blue Jackets. But if you get to the point where you need a tradable asset to get something that you're looking for, those those points are also great going somewhere else down the line, too. I, I fully agree with it. Like, Andrew Peak is not going to get you in a trade what Adam Boquist is potentially going to get you in a trade. So if he would come out and even show improvement defensively, <laughs> that would make him, a, what, again, then it's going to be, uh, he would be a good uh, tradable commodity. But the question is always going to be, yeah, but are, are we willing to trade that? Do we need that more than we need to trade that and get something else? You know what I mean?
6: Exactly. Because, like you said, when you're comparing in, in a potential trade offer, a peak or boat I don't think the Blue Jackets could afford to get rid of someone like Peak because we need as much defensive responsibility as we can get based off of last season. So that would inherently like leave us in a position where Boquith would be the most likely to do that. And I also think, like you said, since he was a high draft pick before, there's still a lot of allure behind that, even though he may have not reached up to the potential that we thought. But like I said, with the, like you said, with the game evolving being more high-paced and offensive from the blue line, he could be very attractive if he gets a more well-rounded game this
0: season. Well, we're just trading away all the top talent, aren't we? We're just yeah.
6: We're in a we're, good position to be in with how good our prospect <laughs> pool is, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know
0: what? And, and that's a really good point. In prior, if, if you and I were having this discussion prior to the draft, well, we're not having this discussion prior to the draft because there's there's no names to put into the blank spaces. Exactly. Troy, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on today. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks. This is a live C B J and 30. I wonder if we should even change the name of the show because this has gone on for almost three times that long. And this is one of the days where, and again, I just had a break. I, I was able to separate myself and, and relax and get that mental break, and it was great and it was fun. And, um, you know, now I could just sit here and, and talk all day about this stuff. I mean, it's fun. It's, it's fun to be engaged and talk about this and, and know how good the potential is here. But as the saying goes, you don't buy groceries on potential. You actually have to go out and put it into uh, into play. Sean, welcome to CBJ and 30. How are you? Sean. Where are you, Sean? Are you there, Sean? See, Sean unmuted, so I thought oh, this would be a no-brainer. We'll just go right to it. We'll just fire it up. But it hasn't worked out that way. Sean is now gone. All right. Well, that gives somebody else the opportunity to come on the show. It's very simple. Oh, wait a minute. There, I'm going to give him another chance. I'll give him another chance because Sean has uh, requested again. Sean, are you there this time?
5: Sorry, Bob. Yeah, I had issues the first time. Thanks That's for all right.
0: Back You're good. On. Yep, sure. What's on your mind?
5: Uh, real quick, I want to talk about Alexander Tech, Yes. Yes. Um, this is a guy who, you know, I just remember him coming in 2019. We put him right on the power play. Uh, we had him playing against Kucherov. He was the thorn in Kucherov's side. I remember seeing a video when we had Mik- uh, Miku Koivu on the team. I remember seeing a video of Texier and Koivu before a game or during practice, working on faceoffs. And I'm like, absolutely! Like, I'm all about this. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Alexander Texier, but I got to be honest with you, I'm, we're getting to the point where this it's almost um, put up or shut up. You know, he's an R- RFA next year. This team. Um, you know, if Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson's going to make the move to center, um, you know, you know, Corral is going to take up a center spot. Jenner's probably better as a winger, but we have some guys in the pipeline that, are, that that are centers. So, you know, this is a guy who you know Yarmo talks up. Apparently, I didn't see him play, but apparently, he had a really strong uh, World Championship uh, for France. You know, he's he's going to be 23 at the start of the season. He's no longer a young guy. You know, he's going into his what well, I guess is his fourth NHL season. So. What are your thoughts on him? Where do you see him fitting the lineup? What are your expectations? Thank you.
0: I, You know, it's funny, Sean, because when I hear you talk about him, like you went into that whole thing and you had great points on all of it, and I almost felt like you were apologizing for having to bring all of this stuff up with Alexander Texier. You know, you know, you what,
5: know what I mean? I kind of I I get the feeling that I need to defend him sometimes. You know, <laughs> he's, just, he's just kind of a forgotten guy, and it's, it really is a shame because I think he's a tremendous talent. I think he's a great two-way center.
0: I I agree. I I think he is a tremendous talent, I agree with you, and and, and I bring up that you're saying it almost apologetically that you have to talk about this because I feel the same way. I mean, he's got – again, we're going back to that word potential. He's got it, and we've seen some of it. But there are also concerns. I have some concerns. You know, they've tried to play him at center. That hasn't worked out. John Tortorella said that he was going to be a centerman. He played him there. That didn't last long. They tried him last year, right at the beginning, between Voracek and Linea. That didn't last long. They put him on the wing with Corrali. Corrali had him all straightened out, and he was good. And I
5: that, thought, I thought, I thought that Corrali Robinson and Texas A line was tremendous. Yes, last
0: year. absolutely, no doubt about it, no question about it. Um, but then here's what here's where my real concern lies. I don't know what he went through last year. I know he got hurt, and then I know he went back to France, and I I don't know the ins and outs of that whole situation on why he was gone for as long as he was. But that concerns me. And they're saying he's coming back and he's going to be ready to go. And as you mentioned, he played in the World Championships. And, um, yeah, we well, should have had a good World Championships because he had, you know, not played forever. And he should have been fresh, and he was. But um, I, I, these questions, I think, are going to be answered for me early in training camp. Uh, when he comes in and and we see how he plays, but he was just gone for so long under such suspect circumstances. There's part of me that's saying, uh, I hope this is the same guy that left last year. You know what I mean? Is it, does it that
5: make sense? Absolutely. There's because he's an RFA next year. Like part of me feels like that he could, you know, we could see a situation we put him in a trade package or somehow he's not on the roster next year. Or I can see him signing a four-year contract. Like I can legitimately see both things happening. Yeah, no, I I I agree with you. And also,
0: the other teams in the league know the potential he's got too, right?
5: Exactly.
0: You're talking about when you're talking about putting together packages, or you're looking to do deals, and especially hockey trades. um, He's a guy that's got to be on your list. And and again, he's so many. If you play on the wing on this team, you better bring your best to this camp unless your name is Goudreau, or Line A or Voracek, and I think I can stop after those three. You know what I
5: mean? Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. Better, hey, Bob, better bring one, your best. One real, one real quick thing, and then I'll pop off. Are yeah. you familiar with, with, with the hockey guy on YouTube? Are you familiar with his YouTube account, the hockey guy?
0: Uh, I don't know if I've ever – I mean, I guess my answer is no because I'm hesitating okay. on that. I might have watched some stuff, and it's just not ringing with me right now.
5: He's seen a very, uh, very strong meteoric rise from, you know, 10, 20 subscribers. Now he has a quarter million and he's very, he's, he's an awesome YouTube account. Follow him for all kinds of different, he does, he does a game breakdown of every single NHL game, every single NHL game. He does all kinds of stuff. The reason why I bring him up is whenever one, whenever he does a bit about the Blue Jackets, whether it's a season review or a season preview or a prospect notion or whatever, he always brings up Texier, and he always says, "Like I'm a big Texier fan. Like I'm a big so." Just going to what you said, Texier is known around the league. He has somewhat quote unquote of a name attached to him as a hardworking two-way defenseman who can put the puck in the back of the net. Not great in the faceoff circle, but he's a young guy. He'll get better. But yeah, anyways, just put a pin on it, he's a guy that I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on about who he's playing with, where he is in the lineup, because he's like I said, I can see him not on the roster next year or a four-year deal. So. Anyway, thanks, thanks for uh, doing this, Bob. Well. Really appreciate
0: it. Oh, thanks, Sean. That's a r- really good breakdown on your part. I appreciate that. It's uh, you know that's what makes it fun. I mean, you guys, you guys think things through, right? We're having intelligent hockey conversation here. So anybody that comes on from here on out, don't screw it up. <laughs> Very simple. Don't screw it up. Next guy that gets the opportunity is Spencer. Hello, Spencer.
4: Hey, Bob. How's it going? Happy you- to be on. Sorry, had some. Connect and stuff. First time. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Want to, I want to talk about Boone Jenner being, who I think should be our number one center this season. He started the year there last year, produced really well. We saw him on pace for one of his career seasons. We've already seen him put up 30. Like this guy's our captain too. I just don't understand why the first names being brought up this year are Hillinger or Raskovic when we've got this guy Jenner, our leader, our captain one of our best players when he's on the ice. Like, I want him first line with Gaudreau in line A. I just want to see your thoughts on that for some of the other names. Well, I you know, I
0: I understand what you're saying, and I said it myself. I said Cylinder. I'd give him the opportunity to see if he could hold that down. And if he can't, Boone is like that. He's like a great insurance policy. You know what I mean? Because if Cole can't do it, Boone is always there. If Jack can't do it, Boone is always there. So maybe that's not fair. Maybe that's not fair, but but Boone is also such an unselfish guy; he'll do whatever. And maybe throughout mm-hmm. the course of the years that I've just become so um, interested, in that. I just see to me with with Cole Sillinger, Cole is is the long term here,
4: okay? And you don't you have the long term enough offensive production for a strong number one center.
0: Well, I don't know. He had sixteen goals last year. He easily could have had over twenty goals last year. I think, he's a smart, I think he's a smart kid. I think he plays well. I think he plays similar to Boone in many ways because I, I think he'll go to the front of the net. I know he will. I watched him do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he will go to the front of the net and, and get the dirty goals. And you know, if you've listened to me before, you know that I'm a big proponent of this team getting so good at center that Boone can go back to the wing. But I will tell you this, and I, and I do have this concern, and it could be unfounded, but he missed all of those games last year because of a back problem, and right. that scares me, and it, it scares me because, to be honest with you, it scares me because of Ryan Murray. Like, how many games did Ryan Murray miss because of a bad back? The back is every, one... Every year. He
4: would yes. Do. Every year. He would and the back
0: is one injury where you never know, and and again, maybe that is completely unfair of me, but Boone can come into camp 100%, and he could play 82 games, and mm-hmm. I could look dumb for saying it, but... You know, he missed a lot of games, and I know he wanted to play, and he couldn't play, and and I, I just I hope he's 100%. So I guess for me, uh, in saying the Sillinger thing is also, and I didn't say this earlier, but, you know, um, if you're looking long-term, the, the back injuries never seem to get better.
4: You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I understand the long-term thing with Sillinger, too. I hope he can be. A true number one center, I'm almost just thinking so short term is in this team to make the playoffs this yeah. year, I think. And I think Boone Jenner is probably the best player on our team at playing center in the NHL right now. So that's just where I'm. No, that's fair. From. But I would love to see Stillinger as like, have him here long term as a guy that can be that anchor, like, or maybe not an anchor is a good term, but a, a rock at your number one center. I'm just thinking that might be another year away.
0: Yeah, well, and, and you very well could be right on that. And I I think that assessment that you just made of Boone is is a really good one. I mean, he was on his way to having another monster year when it came to goals. Um, yeah, when he got hurt last year, I mean, he he might have mm-hmm. got back to that thirty goal plateau. Because um, he could be on the first power play as yeah. well, like
4: as that net front presence.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he could, and and I remember.
4: And you think about Lindholm in Calgary last year with Goudreau. He was kind of like a two-way guy like their line was one of the best plus minus or it was the best plus minus line in hockey and Lindholm's kind of that underrated offensive guy who's very efficient with his production is just a good player on the ice so I kind of think having him next to Goudreau who is a driver of offense and maybe plays more like a center just because of how much he controls the puck where I think Jenner might be able to be that complement where you can have Stillinger on a second line where he drives more offense himself and gives him that time instead of just kind of filling the place between Goudreau and lining I can't argue with you. I mean, you, you've broken it down perfectly. I mean, you've got it
0: all assessed. But uh, yeah. and, and I appreciate that. You make great points. You, you really do. And I I think here's the, here's the last thing I'll leave you with. Um, what I'm getting from this conversation is that there are – Really good options all around, and we'll see which ones there, pan there out, is. right? Like,
4: there's a lot of good options in this forward group for sure. It's exciting to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am Spencer. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
4: For sure. Thanks for having me on, Bob.
0: All right. I uh, yeah. I mean, Boone Jenner could hire Spencer to represent him because he just did a great job of representing him right there. Absolutely, great job. But he but he makes great points, and and it really does come down to. What I just said, it really comes down to there are options. How, we've talked about the center position on this team for years and saying that there was basically no options. And and now there are options. And these guys have worked these options into play. All right, live on Twitter Spaces, CBJ and 30, Monday Mailbag. Matt is next up. So, Matt. All right, he's unmuted. Here he is. Hello, Matt.
7: What's going on? How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Good. What kind of role do you think uh, Jonas Corpusala is going to play this year?
0: Well, he's going to play a backup role coming into camp. But.
7: Yeah, because it was pretty prominent uh, at the end of the year. They were saying that Elvis, they wanted to see how many games he could almost go and just prove that he could be a number one and go out there and start you 40 games, 50 games.
0: Yeah. No doubt. And they said that. They said they were going to play. They want to get him used to playing 65 games a year. And the only way they were going to do that was by running him out there time and time again. I talked with Elvis. In fact, I I was just listening to this interview two weeks ago. I I forget why I was. But I talked to Elvis before the final game at Pittsburgh last season. And I asked him about what he had learned about himself and about the NHL. And I said to him, I go, well, this is not even – I mean, you've had to learn a lot here because this is not close to the way it's played in Switzerland. And he said, no, not at all. I mean, you're not on the plane traveling all over the place. You spend most nights in your own bed after games. Um, you know, they basically play on the weekends, and then they have time off during the week. It's it's The schedule is not as grueling. And they really wanted to get him used to the grueling schedule. As Brad Larson said to me last year, he said, we want Elvis to realize that if you're in the playoffs – that you still have to win 16 games to win a Stanley Cup. So, you know, that's why they were playing him every day because they got to build up his endurance. But he comes in, there's no question. Like last year it was talked about, you know, there'll be a a a, a battle or a, a competition for the number 1 spot. Elvis has the number 1 spot. Can he hold the number 1 spot? Uh, that's going to be a couple of things. His play is going to be first and foremost. The other thing is for Corpasalo is he healed from his injury, and can he get back to the form that he was two or three years ago? Because if he can, then you can have that competition again. Uh, if he can't, then he's going to serve as the backup, and that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Elvis
7: has the ability to be the number one. I think last year kind of gets wiped off for him, obviously, with what happened with Kiblenix in the offseason and then just poor defense all around. I think last year was just tough for the Jackets in general. I think Elvis has that ability to be the number one. But if Corpasalo gets back to what he was two years
0: ago, is he a trade piece? Oh, yeah. he's only on, oh, he's yeah, only yeah, on yeah. a one-year deal. Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely he is a, he's a trade piece if he gets back to that point. And, again, you know, where does Tarasov factor into all this stuff? Because he's on a very friendly contract for three years. And if he comes back from his injury and if he is pushing in the American Hockey League, if he is pushing to be in the National Hockey League, and if he's looking like he's going to be an NHL starter, then you really have some things that you have to talk about. Because what do you want your tandem to be after that? Would you trade it Let's say all three of them are playing well, just for argument's sake. They're all three playing well. Do you trade Corpusalo and bring Terasov in and have him uh, work in a tandem with Elvis? Um does Elvis eventually move out, and you resign Corpasalo, and he and Tarasov are a tandem, with Tarasov being the number one? By the way, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm. I, I. think he's going to be a number one goaltender in the league, hands down. So um, there. There are a lot of questions, but again, and I agree with you. Can Elvis be a number one guy? Of course, he can be a number one guy. Does he have the tools? Absolutely. Are there uh, things that he's learning? He had to mature last year in many ways, uh, and I. He saw that and i think he's learned that we're going to find that out this year but um you know if all three are playing well you've got a great problem on your hands but corposalo if he's playing well to answer your question if he's playing well is he a trade piece absolutely positively is
7: all right thank you yeah i kind of i kind of assumed if he was going well just cuz he's on only has this one year deal that he signed yeah so he and, be gone.
0: and i i mean for him I think this is great for him because he has a chance to prove to everybody in the league that he's back to the form that he was, right? They're giving him the opportunity. They're keeping a guy that they know, and he's staying with an organization he knows with the look ahead that, hey, if I can get in some games to do a really good job, then I can create some demand because there was demand for him a couple of years ago, and, and oh, yeah, now it's dried up. All Well, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show today. Live CBJ in 30. Where am I going to go next here? Oh, where I was going to go. That person dropped off. That person dropped. So I'm going to go somewhere else and find out what is on the mind of Josh, who is next up on the show. Hello, Josh.
8: Hey, Bob. Uh, thanks, as always, for hosting this. Sure. Um, so my question was, um, could you possibly see um, Rockflick? being more on the wing to start. Um, I kind of feel like um, everyone's kind of locked it in that, you know, the centers are going to be Corrali, um, Sillinger, Jenner, and um, Roslovic, But I was thinking just, you know, could Roslovic be better on that second-line wing? Um, and, you know, you have Sillinger there. And I think Jenner is probably the best fit, it, in my opinion, for right now, as I said earlier, to be that center, that number one line. Um, do you think they'd be willing to put Roslevic Bras- on the wing on that second line, or do you think they're pretty locked in um, on him being
0: a center for this team? I think if Jack Roslevic winds up on the wing, that it is an epic fail on the part of Jack Roslevic. And why and Why I say that is because this guy's worked so hard to come so far as a two-way centerman. Okay, And that's where he wants to play. That's where he's played himself into. If he winds up back on the wing to me it is because he has regressed so yeah, i would i, I would it. rather see him in the middle of the ice all year mm-hmm. and i'm sure he would rather be there too yeah i would
7: agree so,
0: right uh, yeah, i so mean i mean now number. now listen on the surface what you're asking makes complete sense if mm-hmm. it weren't for <laughs> the other factor you know what i mean
6: <laughs> yeah
8: yeah he really wants to be playing the center ice i mean it is yeah i mean it's like it's interesting and i think that personally um what's going to be one of the bigger um things that impact how the lines all shake out is where Kent Johnson is yep. because you know if he wants to be on the if they want him on the wing um playing NHL hockey that is um you know there we kind of know where the centers are going to be but if they really want him playing center then someone you know would have to move off if they think he's ready so and you know it's,
0: Well, someone, if they thought he was ready for center, to me, the someone that would have to move on would be Boone Jenner back to the wing and then Mm -hmm. Sillinger, Johnson, Roslevic, Corrali down the middle. I just, I I can't, I can't see that out of the start of training camp. I I just can't. And that's, Mm -hmm. and and then like when people say, could you have Kent Johnson between Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Line, That's no offense, but that's two pretty small guys on the same line there and no, I and 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 one of them has like five minutes of NHL experience, you know. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're putting Marty Saint Louis on the line with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line. Yeah, that would work for sure. But that's, yeah, no, that's not what we're think talking Johnson's
8: about. Johnson's ready to yeah. be on that first line. I think it's it's. I think gonna get the first crack at it. If not, it's the General Insurance Policy. Um, and I, I think think – In my opinion, I think he's. Pretty locked in as the number two center yeah. right now. Yeah, but, right.
0: Um, again, right now. But th- this is the good thing about this team. If you falter, mm-hmm. if you falter, you're not going to be in that spot, right? Exactly. I mean, if he screws mm-hmm. up, or if he can, if it's not going well, that's how I should say it. Shouldn't say if he screws up. If if for some reason he's struggling, then Cillinger's going to be there, or Corrales can move up too. Here, by the way, everybody's just like, "Wow, Sean Corrally mm-hmm. playing the fourth line." Corrally can bounce. So if, there, yeah. if if somebody's having struggles, somebody can wind up on the fourth line and Corrali can wind up on the second line. That That's very easily done with his talent and the way he plays.
8: Yeah, so, I totally get that. I mean, he, he was a lot better last year than I think uh, anyone besides the uh, Blue Jackets front office would have expected <laughs> him to be. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, it, uh,
0: well, not, I, I think he was, planning, <laughs> he was planning on being that good, too. Put Fair him on right. that list. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> All right Josh, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate it.
6: So much
0: for All right. Take, take care. Hey, speaking of centerman, to the surprise of no one here, um Pierre, Le- uh, Pierre yeah, let me try this again. Pierre-Luc Dubois talked to uh, the media today in Winnipeg and Sarah Orleski from TSN says uh, on Twitter she says, Pierre-Luc Dubois was noncommittal in most of his answers to pretty direct questions today. As for the future, focuses on this season and doesn't want to rush into long-term decisions. Shocker! I, I, I don't understand. I I really like Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't understand what's going on there. I, I, I don't know why it soured so quickly here. You know, people are talking about... Uh, the trade, Dubois to Winnipeg for Line A and Roslovic, And since we were just talking uh, a lot about roslovic there, you know, who wins the trade? The Blue Jackets win this trade hands down. Hands down. Unless, Unless Winnipeg deals something to Montreal and they get some incredible return that I can't foresee as I sit here right now. And if I'm Montreal, why would I trade? Why would I even call the Winnipeg Jets? Why would I even call them and talk about a trade? I would sit and I would wait. And maybe they're not patient. They've got a new general manager. Maybe he wants to make a splash. Maybe he feels like he's got to make a trade so that he can put himself on the map. I don't know. But if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, why am I giving up a single asset when I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I just have to wait till this guy's an unrestricted free agent and he's coming. Because he's said that. He has said that. Now, if I was at GM and I sat there and I waited, and then he signed a long-term deal with the LA Kings or something, I'd be livid. But anyhow, then that would make then then that would mean that he had been lying for the last two years. So, again, it is I, I don't get it. I I don't I don't get what has happened to that guy. I don't understand it, but on the other hand, I don't care because he's not the Blue Jackets' problem. He's the Winnipeg Jets' problem now. But I'm, but I'm disappointed, to, uh, to say the least. All right, let's get your opinions again here. Matt, welcome to CBJ and 30, Monday mailbag.
4: What's up? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, my question is um, everybody's running through these lines, they have the dream scenario of Line A and Goudreau, but from a standpoint of having two powerful lines, wouldn't you want to split those guys up? Have one play on one line, the other play on the other line. So teams have to worry about two different lines, kind of like what they do with uh, Crosby and Malkin. Now I know they're both centers, but because, um, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can always move them back together. Um, so I just wanted to get your take on some potential lines with could be seeing. Oh, yeah.
0: No, no, that, that makes plenty of sense. I mean, you're right. Everybody's assuming that they're going to play together, and there's no guarantee that they're going to play together. Again, they both play the left side, so instead of somebody moving to the right side on a regular basis, they could play on two different lines on the left side, and you could put somebody else up there with uh, either one of them on the top line. Here's the thing. Uh, This is, even though these guys are good guys, they're professional athletes, they're ego-driven, they're both going to want to be on the first line. I I feel very safe in saying that. Um, Although the first line, second line thing is such a, load of crap half the time because you whatever line's playing the best is going to play the most. And if that's... I've seen that under John Tortorella. I've seen it under Brad Larson last year. You know, if Sean Corrales' line is playing the best, it might be getting second-line minutes, even though it's considered to be a fourth line, and the the line considered to be the second line might be getting fourth-line minutes. It's just the way it works. But when it comes to uh, spreading the wealth, as you just said, and uh, giving... giving uh, you know, two looks at it and giving teams two different lines that they have to defend, that makes a lot of sense. And that could happen. That could happen because it's just me and all of you sitting here speculating and none of us are Brad Larson. None of us are Yarmo Kekalainen. Those guys are the guys that are gonna have the conversations and figure out what's going to work best. So, um that's that's a really good point. It makes it makes a lot of sense and uh I don't know. Matt, it could wind up that way when it's all said and done. Who knows? I thought man had something else to say. Matt, do you have anything else to any uh, final comments? And that was it.
4: Thank you. Thank you. I, was I appreciate. It. I guess I just had one more. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, question. Uh, got a lot of redundancy on the back end. I was just, are we going to solve that? Is that something we can do this off season, or is that an in season trade? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I,
0: <laughs> prior to Johnny Gaudreau coming, I would say, yeah, they're still going to work on that, and they're still going to try to uh, clear that up and, and fix it. Um, because I don't, it's 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 still not completely fixed. Uh, now, now I don't know because of the salary cap constraints, and uh, I guess it would. They're going to have to do it in a trade. They're going to have to do it in a trade, and and they would have to. I guess we'll have to see what's out there. And to me, that would probably be closer to training camp. I would think. Maybe it'd be one of those deals. Remember a number of years ago when the Islanders um, picked up Nicoletti and uh uh who was it? Johnny Boychuk? Like between the end of camp and the start of the regular season, and then those guys like ran that team from the blue line for years. Maybe to be something like that. I don't know. We shall wait and see. Young Guns twenty seven. Welcome to Twitter Spaces, a live C B J and Thirty. What's up?
9: Hey Bob, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, you know listening. Absolutely, and putting this together actually. Yep. So uh, been a CBJ fan for over twenty years, and I, I can't remember a time in all of uh, all of these years that there's this much talk in the off season. Um, and and it's funny because a lot of people are getting on and, and saying you know saying all these things. And I, and I said obviously you haven't gone to an off season before because usually this is not the norm. This is usually not not the stuff that we we typically. So it's exciting. So that's that's one thing. And on the other thing, everybody's been talking about, and, and I'm glad you've been promoted to uh, um, to assistant coach, where you're where, where you where you're helping you're helping out with the lines and everything else. <laughs> because that seems to be a lot of the conversation.
0: <laughs> and we all know I don't know squat about this anyway. When it's all said and done, but anyway, thank you for the uh, congratulations on the promotion. But uh, continue.
9: Uh, so so Mike kind of goes into the same thing. So I, I you know I'm. I'm a data scientist by trade, and, and that's what I do in my profession. Oh, life then
0: you training, should so. have this all figured out. You you
9: whatever no, no, you say, no no, so wait, no, no, no 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 no. Whatever, whatever no. you
0: put, whatever the lines that you put down right now, they're, I'm going to write them down because Larson's got to match
9: these. Go ahead. No 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 <laughs> no no. Because I'm one. Of, I'm one of the few data scientists out there who actually believes that analytics isn't the total answer, especially in hockey. Oh wow, I like you. I like you a lot. Uh, because like <laughs> like you like you had said earlier on. Uh, uh, I think I'd heard you say it before, you know, analytics doesn't bring out some of the, some of the true attributes of, of some players, like locker room stuff, leadership stuff, that stuff you can't really measure. Right. That's kind of an intangible. You really, you can measure, you know, obviously plus minus, which I think the crap stat, but, but, um, but some of the other, some of the other, some of the other stats that are out there. So my question goes back to the defense. And so, you know, you can't, I, I, I can't see peak starting out, you know, as the top line again, because, it's not a rip on peak, but I, I really feel like he's playing above his head on, on the first line. And if we're running it back the same way, you're going to expect, this, you know, maybe a little bit better, but you're not going to see a quantum quantum jump, I, w- I would imagine. So I, I, I would have to say, like, there's something else. At least I'm thinking there has to be something else that Yarm was trying to work. It may come to fruition. It may not. But I have to believe he's trying to work something else.
0: Well, I, I would believe that, too, because, you know, as we were talking about earlier here, Let's look at your options. It, you're going to put Boquist and Wierenski on the same pair. Now you're going to have two guys that are running around trying to play offense and, and who's going to play the defense on that. And that's not a rip on Zach by any means. But right, the, the right. way Zach plays, this is why Zach and Seth Jones worked together so well for so long because Zach could just go. And even though there were times that Seth would go with him, uh, for the most part, Zach would go and Seth was back. And they, they kind of covered each other in that way. Um, so you know, Boquist and Worenski are both the, so offensively minded. That's that's not going to work out. And uh, you know, to put a, you know, Gabranson's not going to be a top pairing guy. Then what are you going to do? Put Jake Bean over there? You know, again, as as you were just saying, when you start to look at the options. You know, they don't look as good once you break them down individually. And Nick Blankenberg, again, love the guy. Love the guy. Love the heart he plays, plays with and all that. But, you know, are, would you – is it a, a real solution and are you where you want to be if you're taking an undrafted college free agent and putting him on the top pairing to get things started? You know what I mean? And and guess what? Maybe maybe that's something that he can handle and I'm not being fair enough to him. But – uh but I'm just saying, that, that, the, the way, a risky proposition. it is that's a really a risky. risky proposition. I, I think so, too. So then it, when, once you break it all down like that, Andrew Peak becomes uh, your best option. And as you said, and as I said earlier, it is, um, yeah, I, you haven't solved the problems if that's the way you're starting the year, and that is no offense to Andrew Peake, who I respect and like very much as a hockey player, but they've got to find a way to they got to find a way to get better there, whether it's coming from within or whether it comes from the outside. And, again, if this year chick kid comes in and has, like, a great Traverse City and then a great camp and they give him an opportunity, I, you know, maybe that solves a problem that you and I are – maybe the problem's already solved and you and I are trying to solve something that, uh, right. as a data scientist, the problem's already been done for you, but you just don't know it, right?
9: So I, I don't That's know. Why, that, that, that that's the thing with the arm have I mean, usually other GMs kind of – you can, you can kind of figure certain things out or you can piece stuff together. Typically he just kind of kind of comes out of the blue and and no pun intended there and, and just kind of comes up and, and comes out with something that you're just like, I didn't even see that one. coming. Right.
0: Right. And and the amazing thing is he's been able to do that for so many years in this league, quite honestly. Yeah. But, well, thank uh, you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I do appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the show today and talking all about these blue jackets. And again, the excitement, the excitement is, is there and we're, Still weeks away from the puck dropping for real. Not not just the preseason, but the, the real drop is even further away. Let me see who else is on here. I love that all of you are being so uh engaging today. By the way, I have sat and I've done this for two straight hours. All right? Two straight hours talking to you, talking with you, and not a single commercial the entire time. So you know, all these people that do this for a living on radio all around the country pfft, forget about it. It's easy to do a show when you have um I don't know 16 minutes worth of commercial time during the hour. This is just raw you and I back and forth talking about it, very simple. Detroit Columbus fan, next up on this live edition of CBJ and 30. How you doing?
10: Hi, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, so I jumped on a little late, but uh, so first off, I, I want to shout you out. I listened to your draft coverage, and you called out the PLD thing straight out. And I watched the uh, his press conference today, and it was flashback city, I feel like, when the Blue Jackets did it.
0: Well, was he? Uh, and, and I didn't see it, obviously, because I was doing this, but I, I just read that tweet from Sarah Oleski a few minutes ago. Was, was it brutal?
10: It was brutal. They were they asked him probably just like they did here, like four or five straight different people, Hey, you said this, you know, your manager said you want to play for Montreal, you know, and then the one guy asked him, Hey, if if you're doing this, don't you realize that this could end up hurting Winnipeg instead of just asking for a trade, if you bleed them out and the cap issues and all this stuff? He just said, Well, I just want to be a Winnipeg jet this year. Oh, so. Anyway, Anyway, as I as I just
0: said a few minutes ago, thankfully that's not the Blue Jackets' problem anymore.
10: Yeah, so I guess my my question is because the guy in front of me uh, kind of went my way, and he's an analytics guy, and I'm a science teacher, so maybe we think the same way. Oh but. boy!
2: <laughs>
10: you know
0: what? But I, I so you know regular shows don't get such <laughs> such uh, intelligent people to call them. I'll tell you that right now. So
10: I, I feel it's uh, an
0: it's an honor to me. I just want you to know I feel honored.
10: Well, so my question is: We got a lot of a lot of uh, national. I don't know. I don't know the right word. Maybe grief or side eyes about the Gabranson trade, giving him four years for yeah. four million a year. Yeah, a little ex- a little expensive for uh, probably a third pair. Maybe maybe a second pair guy. So, do you think it's like a two parter? Do you think we'll trade for another defenseman? And does that mean we got to get rid of Gus? And I guess. I know Gus is up there, but my other question is, I know Gus is such a crucial leader. He was with the Red Wings. He is here. You know, eventually, if we have all these young guys, I remember five years ago, we had all these young guys, not many leaders. So what's the trade-off there? So thanks, Bob.
0: That is, uh, no, thank you. That's that is a, that's a great point. That's a really great point. What is the trade-off there? Um, look, we all like Gus. We do. The only reason Gus is even in any conversation is the same reason Oliver Bjorkstrand was in any conversation, because of his salary. So, again, as we were just talking about uh, with the uh, previous, uh, I want to say caller. You're not really a caller on Twitter spaces, but anyway, you know what I mean. The previous conversation I was having there is... um, is the help coming from the outside or is it coming from the inside? Do you already have the answer to the question or don't you? And we don't know. We don't know until training camp comes. Um, could Gus be somebody that they would flip? I don't know. I, I would – and I don't, I don't even know why I'm hesitating on that. Again, he's got one year on his contract. So I don't know if you're going to be able to find what you're looking for with that. Maybe with a couple of younger players that have upside – you might be able to find something more as to what you're looking for with that, I would think. I would think I think Gus Nyquist is more of a trade deadline flip more than he is a preseason or early season flip for uh for that spot. But again, that's I don't want to say it's a glaring hole. It's so it's so unfair. And I'm fighting myself here because, you know, Andrew Peak gave everything that he had. I thought he was I thought he was a great player. I voted for him for my most improved player on the team last year. And I didn't even have to think about it. For a second. Most improved. Andrew Pick, Boom. He got asked to play huge minutes. And he just did it. Shot blocking. Really starting to become a shot blocker. Um, you know, so every time I say, well, you can't start the season with him and Wierenski on the same pair. Actually, you can. You can. Is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. But did it work last year? It did. Could it work this year? It could. So it's maybe maybe I'm being totally unfair to Andrew Peek on that. I, I, again, I just think that if you're a Stanley Cup contender, he's probably not playing that high in your defensive lineup. But if you don't have anybody else to do it, and, and maybe you put him back there and he continues to get even better. Maybe he gets to a level that I didn't think that he could or you didn't think that he could. Or maybe even he gets to a level that the management didn't think that he could. I, 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 I'm i sure they have it pretty well. I think they have it pretty well uh, put out where where he's going to be. Uh, let me see here. My buddy Duncan McLeod just sent me another tweet said, uh, wild speculation if the Blue Jackets don't think they have a number one center option by the end of the year, Dylan Larkin or Matt Barzal uh, have got to be looking at playing between Goudreau and Laine as an appealing option. Larkin's a unrestricted free agent. Barzal is a restricted free agent. The Dylan Larkin thing, listen, he's the captain of the Detroit Red Wings. He's from Detroit. On the surface, you would say he's never leaving. He's staying there forever not even going to consider being out of there however remember last year when Steve Eiserman was saying who was available and who wasn't available and he never once said that uh he never once said that Dylan Larkin was not available he was not on the untouchable list his best friend is Zach warensky Zach signed long term to play with the blue Jackets not to go to Detroit when he became an unrestricted free agent. So what am I saying? I'm saying, just like uh, in the famous line from the movie Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. Now, of course, you'd have to work money and all that stuff. Either one of those guys, for sure, is a top-line centerman and would make you a lot better at that position. Then it would come back to salary cap. So what I, I just told somebody a couple of minutes ago, it's not going to become routine to have to dump guys because of the salary. And then something like that comes up and you go, well, you might have to dump some salary just to uh, to to do that anyway. Again, it would be a good problem. I think it would be a good problem. Does somebody emerge here and become that, become that number one guy uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt? Or do you have to go get somebody? But again, you bring in Johnny Gaudreau, and you sign Patrick Laine, and all of a sudden, people are saying, yeah, I'd like to play with those guys. I think I could do a lot playing with those guys. That was almost a Seinfeld-like thing, wasn't it? I think I could do a lot there. Nah, that one wasn't as good. The other one was by accident, and it sounded better. Anyway, let's find out uh, what else is on your mind. Nicole B., Welcome. To a live Monday mailbag. C B J and thirty. How are you?
2: I'm doing really good this today. Um you were saying earlier about Peak. Yes. Um, did you watch him during Worlds um when when all those defensemen went down and he had to take a lot of minutes playing with you know I know the world championships are not the absolute best players in the world, but those they're still really hard guys to defend and he I thought he really stepped up on it.
0: Well, that's a good point, point. and no, I didn't watch a lot of that to be honest with you, and that's not fair. Uh, but it's pretty much the uh, the times that the games are on, and the fact of what you just said—you don't have the necessarily have the best of the best playing. Uh, I tend to forget about it at times, but that that's a really good point. The fact that he got to go there actually says a lot, quite honestly, um, because and and he got to go there. Zach was going to go and play. And because Zach had so many injury issues uh, throughout the year, he didn't go, and that kind of opened the door for Andrew. So, it's great for him, and, and that experience is uh, again. I think all of the experience that he got last year, wherever he played, is going to be invaluable. But that, that's a good point that you make. Uh, those minutes, th- those minutes pay off at some point down down the road. Now, do you now, now Nicole? Be honest. Do, do you see him? If you're if you're putting together a team that you think can win the Stanley Cup, is he on the top pair with Zach Wierenski for you?
2: No, honestly, it, he isn't. I've I started watching the Wild and came over to Columbus when Koivu came over. Yeah. So I'm used to guys like Jonas <laughs> when, Brodine being, and yeah, Brodine, when, Suter, Spurgeon. When Koivu Co,
0: came over for 10 minutes?
2: Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I like Columbus so much, I stayed watching. Oh, well that's that's awesome. so fun.
0: That's awesome. I,
2: but, yeah, I, comparing him to somebody like Brodine, I don't – that's – The kind of guy you want on your top pair for stay-at-home defenseman. I don't think Peak is close. I think he's good, but he's
0: not that close. Andrew Peak. His hope is to give us all the finger one day and say you were all wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That's that should be his goal in life. That if it was me, that would be my goal. That would be my goal. Nicole, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks.
0: Uh, That's a good one. Wild fan who just uh, came over when Miko Koivu was here for. A uh, cup of coffee, as it uh, turned out to be, and uh, stayed, stayed right along the entire way. All right, let me see who else can we talk to here today on this live CBJ 30. When when am I going to end this thing? I don't know. Whenever I feel like it. So far, I don't feel like it. So lucky you, and lucky for John. John's next up on the show. Hello, John. How are you? What's on your mind? Hey,
11: you're not bad. Hey, um, just uh, got a question because with all this uh, Blue Jackets news, I've been kind of jonesing for more hockey. And uh, here in a couple weeks, we got the World Juniors starting back up. I wasn't sure if you heard about any Blue Jackets prospects that might be taking part in that. You know,
0: I uh, I haven't. Let's uh, that I <laughs> I forgot all about that. I was on uh, I was on vacation, and I did uh, I did hear some people talking about it when I was just listening to stuff or reading stuff, but I have forgotten all about this world junior that they didn't get to finish, uh, during the winter time. And now they're going to, to finish it. Um, I mean, so you're really excited about that. You can't, you can't wait to watch that. Is that what you're telling me?
11: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, the main thing that I'm curious about is like, I know they said that, uh, people who took part who might not be of age now, but they were then, um, I, I, might be interested in seeing like Kent Johnson. I thought he might be fun to watch, but, um, I wasn't sure if maybe he's has any interest or if he's just worried about sort of gearing up for the upcoming season. Well, so. yeah. And
0: that's the other thing, right? It's going to take place in August. So you've got, uh, guys that are going to be getting ready for training camp instead of, uh, and maybe playing in the world championships. Uh, let me world junior, I should say. Uh, let me take a look here. I know I, I guess I should be on top of this, but it's funny when Johnny Gaudreau signs, the things that you forget about, right? Isn't it, Johnny? You you forget about You forget about everything else that is going on. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at their roster. I I just got to make sure I'm looking at, at the right thing. I got to catch. No, this is, that is. That is totally the wrong – you ever go on the Internet and just click on something and you think, oh, this is definitely what I should be looking at, and there's no question, and then you just go ahead and you you talk about it or you tell somebody or you, you, you cite it, and then all of a sudden you go back and you look at the date and you find out it was two years ago and you're an idiot? That's what almost right. happened. That's what almost happened right there, John. It was
11: very you find out from the onion or something. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just going to bail. I, it's it's hard for me to scroll and talk at the same time. But I haven't even thought about it, and I know that's maybe that's sacrilegious. But um, I just I haven't. I haven't. So
11: yeah, uh, it hasn't it hasn't been big news.
0: So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been zero help to you, John. I feel helpless now. <laughs> now I feel like I should end the show. I
11: could, I mean, there's. I, i've let you down
0: after all this time
11: i've let you down okay. um well i think i just want to say is uh i still got that hat that I, I had you autograph a few years back so thank you very much for that oh absolutely you still wear it or you have it in a glass case i got it in glass case i <laughs> think was uh i got it signed by seth jones uh artemi panarin but biggest signature was probably yours so thank you oh no doubt well at least i'm the uh, at least i'm still here <laughs> Unless we uh, trade you away, hopefully not.
0: Yeah, I know I, that's possible, right? I mean, here I'm talking about all this stuff about who to trade. I I might be in a package. I never even thought about that. Thanks, John. I can't. Now I'm not going to sleep easy until training camp is over. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I think we've. Uh, I, I think we've just about run the gamut here today. I, I think we've just about come to the to the end of the line, and uh, I don't know. Show that is billed as being thirty minutes, two hours and fifteen minutes. That's probably, uh, it's probably a good day. It's probably a good show. I would think. I think it's a good show. I think you guys made it a good show through your questions. Um, yeah. Again, reach out to me at any time. Am I gonna take one more? Am I gonna take one more? Am I gonna take this VPCX adrenaline here? Am I gonna do it? All right. All right. I'll I'll take one more. I'll do it. Go ahead.
4: Are you there? Um, where do you see Oliver or Matthew Oliver uh, this year? Oh, uh, I know Ma- we acquired him from Nashville for the 144th pick. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, where do you see him falling uh, in the lineup?
0: Matthew Olivier. He is going to play on the fourth line. Um, I don't necessarily see him playing. Every game. I, I think he's a guy, when he was with Nashville, he spent time in the American Hockey League. He spent time in the National Hockey League. Uh, I could see that being the case here. I could also see him being here and being healthy scratched at times and playing in games where, you know, they feel they need his toughness a little bit more than other games. I think he and Justin Danforth could be two guys that maybe alternate a little bit on the wing of that fourth line. But um, I like I like the acquisition. I think Yarmol did a good job there. I think you got another guy that uh, you know can bring some toughness, and but but when he's playing here, I don't think there's any doubt he'll be on the fourth line on this team.
4: Okay, thank thank you for taking my question, Bob.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for asking that question. I appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, players wanted the toughness. They wanted they wanted more than one guy, and they got him. Matthew Olivier, he's a forward. They got him. Eric Branson, he's a defenseman. They got him. So they've uh, they really addressed that a lot, and I think I've addressed everything, and I know that you've addressed everything. So I think we uh, can pretty much put a bow on this thing. And and again, I did not, for the life of me, intend on doing this for as long as I did. So thank you. It's it's so fun to talk about what's going on, and it is, um, and it's great to get your perspective on it. It really is. I mean, I everybody that got on here today and asked a question uh, well spoken well thought out uh, made great points that doesn't happen on every show and I'm not just talking about sports shows I'm talking about every kind of show uh, this was this was a this was a perfect show it was a perfect show you made it a perfect show so thank you very much for that and so now am I done for the summer I don't know I don't know. We'll just do what what I did this time. When I told you 10 days ago or 11 days ago that um, if something came up, I'd be back with you. That's the way I'll leave you this time as well. If something big happens, if something comes up, if there's something that we need to talk about, then I'm going to be there to talk about it with you. had a great time today. Absolutely fantastic time today. Just talking hockey. Talking Blue Jackets hockey. Talking about the excitement that is Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, Elvis Merzlikens, Zach Borenski. It was great. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks for your tweets. Thanks for your emails. That'll do it for the CBJ 30 Live. I'm Bob McElligot, and I'll talk to you next time.